apologize for coming in here late. Um, Lola totally pulled the plug on my power. Um, what are you trying to blame her? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she did. <laughs> so that's real. It's it's my fault because I asked her to unplug something, and I thought she knew what I was talking about, and she unplugged everything. So, <laughs> and I am doing this from the van. So let me let me try to uh, get some semblance of order here. Um, you know, the best thing to do to help us out here is to go to HankStrange.com, sign up for the email list. That is the best way to communicate with us and for us to communicate with you. You can look around the website, lots of things on there. If you go under the StrangerHolics tab, it will lead you to all the different platforms that we're on. Uh, don't forget to uh, smash the thumbs up, share this if you can. I'm going to load my guests up into the screen right now. Here we go. And I'm also going to hit the open and start the show off. Let's do this. Welcome back to the Hank Strange Boom, situation. Here we go. All right, guys, Lifestyle don't forget to subscribe, smash the thumbs up, ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. We are live. Um, and I've got uh, Matthew LaRossiere of Fudbusters here. And What's I also on? have Othias of CN Arsenal joining us oh. as well. Um, right. uh, so Matt knows this. Othias, I don't know if you know this, but we all have to do uh, jazz hands every time we get this going. And it goes something something like this. Got to do the jazz hands. Taking it back from the terrorists. Everyone has to do it. There we go. Othias is doing Wait, it. Did terrorists have a claim on jazz hands? They did. Well, that? The, you know, the... Eh, I'm Wait, they it. got jazz hands? What yeah, did they got them. this video? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> they, took, they took the jazz hands. <laughs> where, where are you live right now, Hank? So, here, here's the thing. He's in a van down by the river. No, 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 no. I meant, like, I don't see it on the on his YouTube. Usually it's up here, isn't it? It should be broadcasting to the YouTube. I see the folks out there. Is there um, yeah. Okay. So let me see if you guys can if you guys can hear us and see us out there. Let me know. Hopefully, I'm broadcasting on the right thing. If not, we got to start this all over again. I don't see it on the. Is, is it the Hank Strange channel or the? No, the it's Lifestyle. on Lifestyles of the Locked and Loaded. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. You are scaring me. You're on the me, wrong. You're thing, scaring man. me. Yeah, yes. I'm on the wrong thing. Give us confirmation again, because now... <laughs> no, it's there. I just checked it. Oh, it is. Okay, cool. So, here's the thing. I am broadcasting from the van as I was yesterday, but yesterday we were outside of the studio in Gainesville. Tonight, I'm outside of my house out in the boonies, which is about, I don't know, 35 miles west of Gainesville. So... From the Hacienda, we're coming in live. Uh, I don't know. How's it going out to the folks out there? Is it good? Is it bad? No, you lived in Gainesville. <laughs> yeah, just I, I live outside of Gainesville, but so our mm -hmm. old studio was in Gainesville. We rented something to uh, to do it there. Um, I know, Matt, you're in Orlando area, right? Right now, I'm in West Palm Beach. You're in West Palm Beach. So, what about you, Athias? Where are you at, man? Uh, I'm in Charleston. Oh, Charleston. Okay, very yep. nice, very nice. So, although I used to live out, in, I mean, long time ago, I lived in Ocala, so... Oh, you did? Oh, okay, yeah. Ocala's about, I'm going to say, like, about an hour, hour and a half yeah. from where we're at. You know what? If I, I don't know if, Othias, if I can get you to center, because we're going, like, on a three-screen split. Oh, are we? Yeah, like, yeah. there we go. There we go. It's just the half awesome. of your face. It's really funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, there you something. go. Boom. Big shout out to yeah. Franklin Armory for sponsoring the podcast. I appreciate you guys. Uh, Imposter says we look marvelous. So hopefully this is not as because 
you know, we were downstairs from the studio on Wi-Fi when the whole time I've been doing this. So the last time Matt was on, um, I was I had an Ethernet connection and all that kind of greatness. So now I'm trying to do this from the van and be mobile and be able to get around. You know, maybe I can visit CN Arsenal, you know? Yeah, that's fine. Check out There's some nothing old here, but... Oh, oh. <laughs> I see a bunch of I see a bunch of guns behind you. What do you mean, man? That's not secret. no, no. That's a that's a green screen. It's oh, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. I see it now. I see it now. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So we're experimenting with things. I'm literally outside the house, which is cool. Um, if this works out, then I might do it from here more. If not, what I'll do is try to find better spots. For the, because I'm using a phone and I'm hotspotting off that phone. Mm. So if it that's, doesn't, that's difficult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it doesn't work out, I'll there's, you know, I'll try to drive around and find better spots to do this from if we run into any issues. So anyway, all of that being said, this is episode 721 of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. I'm your host Hank Strange. Uh, my guests are Othias of CN Arsenal. Othias, hello. Welcome to the show. Hi. You. This is a historic moment, man. Wait, yeah. why, why would I do? It's a historic because you know because uh, I'm, I'm experimenting with stuff. In the future, you know, the archaeologists will dig up this van. Did you yeah. get that van new or used? <laughs> it's new. It's new. Oh, okay. <laughs> are you into Are you into vans at all? I don't know. No, but if I was buying a used one, I'd probably get a blacklight out before I bought it. <laughs> this is where your mind is going. Okay. I was just this checking, is... man. I didn't want you to get an infection or whatever. No, yeah. this is awesome. This is awesome. So, uh, anyway, um, I, I forgot where I was going with this. Okay, so we've got Othias. He's joining us here, uh, making history, making history with the podcast. We also have Matt LaRossiere here. You guys do stuff all the time together, right? Um, yeah, we hang out fairly often, don't we, Matt? Yeah. yeah. He gives me wedgies. Yeah. Oh. That's, that's it. No, um, Matt that's and I are... Bu that's bullying. That's bullying, Othias. You know. yeah. Matt and I became... When did we meet Matt? We met unless at the DC rally? Unless it's yeah. like a special relationship that I don't know about. It's bullying. <laughs> no, we met at, uh, at the 2A the rally in DC, the first one. Um, and yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I, I, I walked up to him and started taking my shirt off. Yeah, okay. that was interesting. I, I when I was there, I realized I didn't really have a contact for the FPC. I had one for the GOA, mm -hmm. um, and I was like, "Oh, I'd like to know somebody from there." And I saw Matt present, and I was like, "Oh, good, I'm gonna try to talk to him." Mm -hmm. So I'm in that situation where I've got people, you know, there's a couple fans talking to me. I'm talking to another creator, um, and I see Matt moving through the crowd, and I'm like doing that thing where you're tracking somebody in a crowd, trying not to let them get out too far out of your sight because you want to go talk to them okay and, I, and, and there's that weird moment where you like i lose sight of him and i'm like where did he go and then i'm like oh there he is oh he's actually coming this way that's good i'm gonna wrap up this conversation and then i'm gonna juke over here and grab him and as i'm trying to kind of maneuver socially mm -hmm. he breaches this sort of circle that we're talking in and now he's coming right at me and i'm like okay now he's coming right at, at me and as he's doing it he's unbuttoning his shirt <laughs> and i'm going no. Okay, I'm not. I'm going to lean into this one. So <laughs> no, I, you don't lean in. You yeah, away. no, no, I, I no, I embrace whatever. So 
he's unbuttoning his shirt. I was like, I have no idea what the con- – like, I've lost all context of what's happening. But he's clearly coming at me. I'm mm-hmm. checking over my shoulder. There's nobody else that could conceivably <laughs> be the target. And then mm-hmm. finally I realized what's happened is he's popped his button-down shirt, and he's wearing one of our T-shirts. Yeah. And so I was oh. like, uh, and I was like, like, yep, okay, I found my guy at the FPC. Um, <laughs> so he's trying there, to show off. To, he's trying to show off to you that he follows you, right? So we, um, okay. it was really funny. But we, yeah. uh, from there, we've just been friends. Like we've just been hanging out, talking about a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, I, I basically, I, I basically was the one that kicked his butt all over the place to go start a YouTube channel so that people would hear him more directly. Yeah. Um, By the way, I'm messing around yeah. with this uh, windscreen. Uh, all right. oh. It's okay. You look like you're having a good time. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to do it right, but uh, uh, no, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. So, oh, <laughs> uh, I I really apologize to you guys for this. I should be more professional than this. Nah. So listen, there's someone. There's someone in the chat. I'm gonna pretend I don't know who this is. Whose whose name is May, and May says oh, they no. hold hands. So I'm you sure guys met at that thing, and then you've been holding hands ever since then, apparently. That's well, we did the Gundies together. We did the yeah. road trip out together in the car. Yeah. But also, if you know your, you know, your, your classics, your ancient history, you know that men holding hands is a, is a sign of respect. Um, you know, it's a sign of, of uh, communal bonding There's, okay. and, uh, and um, working together. <laughs> still... Especially at the urinal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, I was going to go with Read you guys for a second. Read them. <laughs> I was going to go with this. For, well, there are cultures. So, for example, um, uh, African, a lot of African cultures, dudes hold hands in African culture. I think Indians do that as well. So there are cultures out there where that happens. Um, yeah, friends holding yeah. hands. What's wrong yeah, with you? Yeah, it's normal. You know? I mean, yeah, you're the weird one here. You're man. weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why are you shaming us for being friends? I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't this wasn't me. I didn't start friends? this. It was May. You May just need better friends. <laughs> you ever see? You ever see that thing in like what's that movie? Forty year old virgin, virgin, where he describes breasts wrong, and so like I just feel like Hank doesn't actually have any friends, Matt. Like I think we're we're, we're teaching him what friendship is. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Oh boy. No, but so I and it's funny because I just I was like I need to wear some like gun adjacent shirts so people know what's up, and then I'm like oh. I love the CN Arsenal shirt and I wore it. I had no idea who would be there. And um, so I was like, this is perfect. I, eh, and, you know, my brain's not actually thinking what it looks mm-hmm. like. I'm just like, look, I, I like your videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, we've, we've got one great. He, um, you know, we shoot together. We, you know, we do the whole. Oh, but yeah. And I wasn't going to do a YouTube channel because I was all like, oh, I can't do it. It's, oh, uh, no, too good. no one wants to look at me. And then he. It, we, I'd be talking in his like Discord and stuff. He'd be like, "Stop coming in here and yelling at us. Put, just record it. <laughs> just yeah. record it." <laughs> yeah, I don't. Anyone who knows you knows that you can uh, that you're entertaining. I would say that. So, I think more informative is the yeah. key. And and Othias being a YouTube impresario, mm. you know, he immediately <laughs> recognizes. You know. You know, it's the pimp game, you know. Game recognizes game. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I've been pimping Matt as hard as I can. I'm be honest. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I, you know. I do appreciate it. Yeah, you got to do it. Uh, no, it's just the, the no. problem is, honestly, the Matt and I had a similar approach to um, <laughs> understanding things. So CN Arsenal is known for being an in-depth history series that doesn't muck around with uh, FUD lore. 
uh, doesn't muck around with uh, falsehoods that have worked their way into the historical narrative because they're popular or cool sounding. You know, a lot of the stuff that gets repeated that's false about gun history is repeated because it's evocative, because it it makes a contact with a point of emotion. And I think some of the problems that we're having in the gun industry as a whole is that we are far more emotive and we're being dragged into being more emotive than we are being logical about a lot of things. And so while Matt is very passionate about his topics, he's also very reasoned about them. And so I was very happy to hear his voice out there. And I've been sort of talking to him about how to maybe represent that to other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and one thing he's he's said to me, which is, I don't know, it really struck with me, kind of his project and my project, we have the same underlying value where accuracy is so important. Um, so like, you know, you can, there are other shows that cover old firearms, but none that are as thoroughly researched as Matthias is because he like, he will work his butt off to make something that is unassailable, right? This is at the present day, the sum of the facts. And then I was thinking, you know, we've been doing this gun rights thing for about a, a century, uh, you know, a little over a century is when we had the first modern gun control laws. And no one's ever done that. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Matt, Matt and I were even having a conversation the other day. But if you want to go look at someone's voting history on firearms-related issues, mm-hmm. where do you go? You know, you can get an NRA rating. You know, maybe FPC or GOA even have some of their own sort of ratings or records. But they're scattered. They're not uniform. And they're not necessarily objective. Even if I support them or don't support them, it doesn't matter. They're not necessarily just an objective archive of this person has voted this way on these gun control issues throughout their entire career. Um, And that's it. That's all you need is a direct summary. Instead, everything is played on sort of the now and on feelings. And we're constantly surprised by the way uh, things turn out or politicians behave. And a lot of it is the only reason you're surprised is because you haven't paid attention to what they did the last nine times because you forgot. Right. And, you know, trying to create an archive and to create a baseline understanding of what is not only what is happening, but what has happened and exactly how it happened. It's sadly lacking. Like we actually rely on a it's interesting, but when we talk about gun history in terms of law, we rely much more on an oral gun history than we do on a written one because there's very little that's written without just a clear bias. And even even pro-gun or anti-gun, it doesn't matter. Right. The biases are so strong that everything is a justification to an opinion and not just a statement of fact. Mm-hmm. Right. So and, and here's a great example. We all talk about the NFA all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or those of us who are more in the, you know, the now of, of gun rights stuff. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a comprehensive history of that law? What the debates were, what like why were suppressors included? Why short barrels? You know, why that length? Have you ever seen that? Uh, I can say that I haven't. Uh, I don't know. Well, Thias, no, because... have you? <laughs> no. Um, yeah. No, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist, but it means that it's not getting any attention if it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when I start talking to somebody that takes the matter as seriously as I do, I would like them to have more attention. Um, I would very much like to see a unified effort between organizations to have even just a simple, I mean, how powerful would it be right now if we could go put together, I mean, 
a third tier SQL database that kept track of every gun law that ever tried to be passed. You know what I mean? And in each law, we had a record of who voted and which way they voted. And then you could look up your congressman or you could look up the gun law and from either side see what happened. That sounds like something that should already exist, especially as much as we talk about it. Yeah, it, it should. I it, mean, it, it, it doesn't because to do that, you have to have you know, web developer, you have to have a DBA, you have to have someone that, you have to have many volunteers constantly inputting whatever comes up in their state if you want to get to the state level. Like, you have to organize all of that. And when you go to organize that and you start fundraising, one of the things you notice is that fundraising becomes its own thing. Um, I, I actually worked on the software side of fundraising years and years and years ago. And I will tell you, it becomes its own animal, like sales. And it can quickly take over an organization, and we saw it happen with the NRA. And I will not doubt it if we see it happen with some of the organizations that are trying to replace the NRA, because it's like becoming obsessed with your own heartbeat. You need that fundraising, that's fine. But what you don't want to do is lose sight of policy, lose sight of history, and lose sight of your mutual objectives and how to achieve them efficiently. Mm -hmm. Now, let me just do a couple of things here. First of all, let me encourage everyone watching us to smash the thumbs up. So I really appreciate that. We have Othias of CN Arsenal, as well as uh, Matthew LaRossier of Fudbusters here joining us. And this, this is, I think this is a really interesting conversation. But, you know, since I've got the smart dudes here, um, I, I think the question that you're raising here um, is probably answered in a couple of different ways, right? There's probably a couple of different reasons. One of them, I would say, is that in America, nowadays, it is a bad thing to be nerdy. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a bad thing, right? So, like, first well, of all, you're talking not. about information, like raw information. You're asking for facts. That's actually horrible these days to, to right. a lot of people. Right. Um, people rather represent some of the data and not all of the data. Right. And, but, and, and mostly uh, the emotional, the emotional part of it that triggers every look, it's it's like YouTube that we're all doing. Right. Most people out there connect to the straight up drama and the thing that gets them fired up, you know, uh, to the hot, spicy food. I look at what we all do on YouTube as kind of like a restaurant. And some people are serving fast food. Some people have nice sit-down dinners, and and there's all you know, you know, you could have five, six-course meals or something, and everything in between that. Um, but most of what's popular is fast food these days, right? right? It's mostly for the taste. It doesn't really give you any kind of nutritional value. It goes in the rooter, comes right out the tutor. <laughs> you know that kind the of checkers thing. checkers is good. Yeah, why you why you gotta be mean to checkers? Yeah, checkers is good for your heart though. What about they that? built they built a brand new checkers? It's the first time I've ever seen a new checkers in like I don't know when. Uh, uh, yeah, but you but well, you no, see, but I, you, I get what you're saying. But you see what I'm saying? I think the first part of it is the first reason for all of this why there is no comprehensive database that you could go to and 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 find all this info. Um, just straight up like that is because it doesn't feed into that, right? Of what everyone's doing. Well, more than that, it's 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 hard work. It's not sexy work, you know. Mm -hmm. And then on the back end of it, how do you monetize it? Because that's the first thing everybody's thinking in these things. Like mm -hmm. every organization that you see rise to preeminence, 
the reason they rise to preeminence is because of two factors. They can raise money and they can spend it on advertising. And so true grassroots effort is very hard to organize uh, without having to have sort of a almost a narcissistic or, or self-aggrandizing element. Uh, Matt and I have had this conversation multiple times where you're like, mm-hmm. how do you have a czar of gun rights? You know what I mean? How do you have this preeminent character that is supposed to represent gun rights in America as a rallying point and not have that person end up being a total insane piece of crap because a normal human being would cave under that pressure it takes a very specific sort of self uh importance to do that and then those become unreliable people and then we see the wave happen over and over and over again now what happened what has happened previously is true grassroots has worked so true grassroots requires a little sweat from everybody a lot of attention from everybody and some loose organization it's worked at times but the problem with it now is, and I think this is where we get concerned with social media and things like that, is that you see an attempt to disrupt grassroots efforts, mm-hmm. to disrupt grassroots involvement. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's sort of the underlying current of what people are talking about when they talk about media censorship. Their fear is that they're losing their ability to simply communicate their feelings mm-hmm. on this matter. Yeah. So someone was asking, I so recently we had uh, GOA on, right? Uh, we had Eric Pratt of GOA on the show. Um, and by the way, I invite nice. all the organizations to come on the show. I actually can't, like, we can't get FPC on the show. Although I know some people there, but, you know, that doesn't seem to help me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we invite all of those organizations to come on the show, um, including FPC or NRA, for that matter, if they want to come on and talk about right. stuff. And, uh, and and there's a lot more in, in there, right? So he was on, and we were talking about things. I made snippets. I put them up. Someone said that there should be one monolithic organization in America that fights for, for the Second Amendment. And I, personally, I don't know where you guys are at with this, but I would disagree with that. Because I think this is one of the things. Once you have a monolith, which the NRA, to me kind of became that monolith right everyone else was like way below the the nra in terms of the ranking if you look at it as a pyramid nra on top um everyone way below like you know not even in the middle just in the base (laughs) all the other organizations and that's how we got there with that so i think it, it one would help if everyone if everyone is split up and does their thing and then we all help fund them so if we want um, a database or a library like that that keeps track of all those things. Someone focuses on that, and then we help fund them to do that, so that they don't right. get caught up in the fundraising, and then trying to be yeah. super sexy and cool about it. So this is this is something that I've really observed because I'm I'm actually kind of embarrassed about this, but aside from my time as a mechanic, my entire career has been in the nonprofit space, and there's this core problem with nonprofits and it's that the core problem is, is that nonprofits are always a very bad idea right uh, you're you're going to sit down and you're like I'm going to devote my life to this thing and it has to not make a profit legally so mm-hmm. there number one you're all, most all of your most rational business people like are thrown out the window so you need somebody that has that certain flavor of passion and dedication to start a nonprofit and then you need that person to also not be a complete narcissist uh, piece of trash. And even when you do get that intersection, then the next step is not getting mission creep. So like you were saying, like, let's say you, you become the big gun organization, right? 
you're still going to have central leadership that's still going to be these people that are you know just a little different from everybody else because that's what it takes to to make it in the nonprofit space it is such a challenge to get those people to agree to specialize and it's so funny because as an individual as like a you know an, an infantryman in the nonprofit space mm-hmm. where i've been the only way that i got ahead was because i aggressively specialized. I became the subject matter expert on one field and, and I got really hyper specific and that's why I got invited on stuff. That's why I was able to build my stuff up. But then the organizations will want to start expanding and expanding and expanding. And no matter what, you spread yourself too thin. And you know, even if they have like the department on assault weapon bans, the department on this and that, they wind up stepping on each other's toes. So I think I think you're you're really identifying something really important there. It's a huge problem. Organizations get a massive umbrella, their missions get all messed up, and then they start failing at their core policies because they're trying to do everything at once. So I don't know a way to rationally um, separate that out, right? Aside from, well, there is one way, um, and it's a long shot. Us actually forming a community and working together and, you know, the top dog organization being able to say, hey, you know, we focus on A and for B, you want to f- support these guys. They're awesome at B. And for C, you're going to support these guys. They're awesome at C. Um, that would be yeah, good. I, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think that we could be dead wrong. But the conversation Matt and I have been having is that probably the way to start this process is to start organizing the data. And create now. This is the thing that Matt and I understand, at least that we can do anyway, is to help uh, to to find a way to help organize data. We we don't even have it started yet, not really, but this is our concern. Um, if we can organize objective data that does not sit there and call out whoever or rally for Republican or rally for Democrat or put a, um, you know, we even talked about like how do you do a weighted score on somebody's sort of objective support or not support for American gun rights. And that's almost an impossible question to answer because how do you know which violations are bigger violations? But if you can come up with a way to have a reasonable, mostly objective uh, categorization of voting record and data for politicians, I think that forms the backbone of any other attempts because that at least gives you the transmittable data of who has supported your cause and who has not actually supported your cause, no matter what they say. Um, From there, I think we need to take a lesson from what is now the American left wing, which is that they speak a lot about intersectionality, which means no matter their differences, if there's a topic that they feel intersects with a number of people in that sort of in-group, then they will all attack that point together regardless of whether they hate each other the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. The gun community is notoriously poor at this. Uh, We're constantly subjecting each other to litmus tests, purity tests, Mm -hmm. these sorts of things, and we're throwing everybody out Mm -hmm. over any other perception, be it religion, be it, you know, home behaviors, be it, you know, marriage statuses. I don't know. Like, I'm constantly, just as a historical firearms guy, I'm constantly probed for whether I'm pure enough in one ideology or another. And it's Mm -hmm. just, it's not going to work if that's your approach to every organization, which is why you, even if the NRA were not a problem as it currently stands, even if it were a quote-unquote good organization, the way Mm -hmm. it worked, Mm -hmm. I don't think it would 
continue to exist in the sort of postmodernist era in which you cannot have these monoliths um, of culture and belief because you right. can't get that much buy-in anymore. People have become much more independent in their thinking and in their behavior. And mm -hmm. so you're going to have to look for, I think, I think again, intersectional points. I think that's going to be the way to go forward. And I think the way to organize that hopefully is to have a core of data and ho hopefully you can lay on top of the data some sense of policy of right. what we really want. Because right now we still have a lot, you know, it's Matt named his channel Fudbusters because one of the biggest in-group problems we have is that we have a lot of people that are willing to redefine the Second Amendment as a somehow sporting activity and not as a natural right of self-defense. Mm -hmm. And so that is a very clear misunderstanding between two parties. Uh, I do not believe that if, if you don't see the Second Amendment as a self-defense issue, then I don't believe you're interpreting it correctly at all. And your firearms ownership and participation in that that group is going to be radically different than everybody else's. That doesn't mean that you can't come on board for certain laws that you like, but it is going to mean that you probably don't want to be at the heart of a gun rights organization. Yeah. Uh, by the way, someone is sending me, someone's uh, watching the chat, but sending me a message on Skype. But because I'm broadcasting, it's kind of tough to go back and see. So that message popped up and then disappeared. So if you just put it in the in the regular chat here, I'll be able to get to it. And we definitely will get to stuff. Um, just to, to follow through on my thoughts, I think that the reason why everything's going like this is because um, in, the, in the gun community or the gun world, we don't realize that we're actually playing in the Game of Thrones type of situation. Whereas on the other side, they do realize that, mm -hmm. you know, well, and I... so this is why we, this is why we subject everyone to what you're saying. Like I've seen that a lot of folks out there expect everyone in all, all the guys in the gun world should be broke, although they have a lot of really expensive guns. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's tribalism, right? Yeah. We, uh, we've been broken. We've broken ourselves into all these different tribes, right? Like the hunting tribe and the mm -hmm. AR tribe, the AK tribe, mm -hmm. and we do hate each other. Uh, but the thing is, we can still. So I, I think it's kind of. I think what Arthur is kind of saying is, we do. We take the idea of intersectionality and kind of put it in reverse. Mm -hmm. Whereas we're not fighting for all of these things that are unrelated. It's that we are going to ignore the unrelated factors and focus on the key thing mm -hmm. so it's even if you're you know even if you're a, a person who's like very conservative minded or something and you see an individual that um you know is more bohemian if their gun rights are affected you're going to throw down for them it, it doesn't matter what else mm -hmm. so i think we i mean i think that ideological intersectionality is a cancer but we know that it's worked for the other side. Mm -hmm. So we need to adopt the parts of that thought process that can drive the message home. And, and I think we need to agree on one message. And one message I think that we can all agree on is that the right to arms is about protecting human life, full stop. Mm -hmm. And that's like the core amount of it. And then I think one layer of abstraction on top of that is, is that any restrictions on the individual right to arms is a restriction on the ability to control the autonomy of the human body, which, you know, are very simple things that can be very out in the open. And you can like AKs and say that you can like to hunt and, you know, do stuff to animals with your tree stands and stuff and, and say that. 
You know, it, it should it's not exclusionary. Okay. So here's the question, and I think it was my friend Mark that was trying to pose this question. He said, why not start a decentralized organization on the blockchain that raises money and allows uh, those that support to have a vote in the blockchain? What do you guys think about that? I just, I think it's too loosely, it's too hard. You have to have someone. It's going to be gamed out. Yeah, it's it's yeah. just going to be subject to all sorts of problems. The, the, the real truth is, there are plenty of ways to advocate, but we're having a problem in that we are generating a lot of noise that is not necessarily transferred to the halls of power. Mm -hmm. uh, we need to have more direct contact with power. We need to have more direct representation. But when we do that, we are punished for it. So um, you're seeing now there it's directed at the right wing in its entirety at the moment. But there's definitely this thing where if you are gathering for a left-wing cause in many states, you can pretty much get away with anything as long as your branding is on point, uh, including you know destruction of property and things like that. The one time we had destruction of government property on the right, now we're shutting that down and we're going to get rid of the rally. And I think a large part of why you see that is because both the other side knows perfectly well that masked people are a direct means of communication that is unignorable. And so they're going to try to disrupt grassroots of doing that. They're gonna accuse anybody who attempts to do that over the second amendment of being radicalized to some degree, when in reality, they're being defensive. They want to preserve their right. They're not out to take something from anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, They're not demanding anything extra at that moment. They're actually trying to halt something being put upon them. But it doesn't matter. It's going to be branded as radicalization. Mm -hmm. So I think we've kind of had this talk, Matt and I have had this talk about the 3D printed community. I think we need to make sure that we're representing gun ownership as a positive. Um, we need to be determined to stand up. And at the same time, we need to make sure that we are being affectionate with our process, not adversarial. And it's a very hard line to walk. It's very hard to get people to motivate uh, to get up and walk or march but not be angry mm -hmm. that's super difficult and i think the only way you can do that is to really give them a firm understanding of the reality that they're in which is why i again go back to data and proving out that we're really not getting the support we think we are at the top mm -hmm. we think we think that we all clap our hands and that tinkerbell comes back to life and it just doesn't work look at the virginia rally everybody clapped their hands everybody showed up and then six out of seven laws were passed and then they're still holding on to the seventh for later and it's it we're being ignored and it's unfortunate because that's going to result in a push and we need to make sure that we have all of our in order for the gun community to push we're going to need to make sure that we're on the same page before we start pushing or it's going to devolve into chaos we're going to be broken up we're going to be targeted and we're going to be put in pen, like not in pens literally but we're going to be pigeonholed and shoved off and written off and then yeah. some people so, are going to be so prosecuted what's, so from you guys point of view then my question would be um what's the solution then so what what is the path you know, and obviously you guys are smart guys, but, you know, you got to break it down for the rest of us. What's the path to the to uh, salvation? In your uh, establish establish a cultural understanding of facts and a cultural understanding of policy is yep. step one. And then from there, it becomes 
communication and who you can back and things like that. Because some of what we're having as far as a disconnect is a lot of politicians that are supposedly representative of our rights are not. But they go on TV and they say they are. The NRA repeats that they are. And then they turn around and do whatever they want. And then we never really acknowledge. They say this law shows up. But how, do you really, can you name, like, more than one or two, like, let's say Republicans in this case? But, you know, it could cut either way in the long term if we if, if we play it right. But Republicans are supposed to be at this point in time the, van, the, the vanguards of defending the Second Amendment, supposedly. Right. Can you, can you really name the ones that have caved on that other than maybe one or two very big names? And in reality, there's dozens and dozens and dozens that have caved many times. But we don't have it on record. We don't notice it. We don't hold their feet to the fire. Mm-hmm. Like we need to have, we need to be involved at a. If you're thinking in terms of voting, um, the involvement to save the Second Amendment happens at a primary level. It's not at the election. It's already, it's already lost at the election yep. for us at this point with the number of what people are calling rhinos in government, because there's a lot of people who have lip serviced and uh, put themselves into a position to be elected, and they don't actually serve the cause that they're saying that they serve. Mm-hmm. The way well, to control. And, and, yeah, go ahead, man. Here's the big issue. You might think that we've all got a good understanding on gun policy, but frankly, when when people say they're doing gun policy, like organizations and politicians, they're supporting and opposing bills. Mm-hmm. All right, that's not policy. Mm-hmm. Policy is the underlying, the answer to the underlying question of why, in every particular instance. And we don't have it in this community. Okay. That needs to be defined clearly. And we all need to be able to come together. And, and, and frankly, I think the, way, the only way it's going to happen is, is people like us, you know, the, the, the new uh, media. Because uh, let's face it, you know, the, this is how most people, you know, in younger generations are getting their information. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to all sit together and be able to point at some documents, something that says, this is why the underlying reasons, like not just the second amendment, because frankly, when you just sit there and say, because the second amendment, you're not making an argument in favor of gun rights. You're actually making an argument for repealing the second amendment. We need to be able to sit here and say, even if the second amendment didn't exist, this law would still be a problem because, mm-hmm. right? That makes because, sense. Because, yeah. Yeah. It's so, an almost Phil. It's an almost philosophical argument. Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing. So uh, Mark that asked that question, his response to you guys is that policy is about emotion and money, not facts. Would you guys argue that? I mean, that's... No, that's... no I'd say the, zeit, the zeitgeist is a product of emotion and money. And that's, um, and, the, and that's how the policies are being shaped, right? I mean, basically, well, the folks... Actually, just... you know, that's, that's almost confusing two issues. Mm-hmm. Money and influence are what is driving the actual law. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of our, our zeitgeist, that's being driven by feelings. But policy is mm-hmm. supposed to be our definition, like, it's supposed to be our goal setting. It's supposed to be our definition of our ideal selves. Like we're supposed to be defining like in order to pursue a goal legally as a people or to pursue a society, a culture, mm-hmm. uh, if we're pursuing a culture and not just experiencing one passively, mm-hmm. then we must have a standard for ourselves. And we need to define that standard very clearly. 
And then we need to also simultaneously make sure that the people we've elected are understanding and enacting that right. policy. So if that's so, if that's the case, what's happening with the anti-gun movement, right? What's happening with the gun grabbers is that they're putting forward the message and they're using things that happen in the news to say, hey, this this uh, what we're all trying to get the place we're all trying to get to the utopia that we're all trying to get to. We don't need these guns because these guns are creating all the violence. It's the guns, the facts that the fact that they exist and what we need to do is take those things away. That's their message that they're putting out there to the people. And that's worked in lots of places around the world. I think maybe America is one of the few places left at this point that it hasn't worked. And I think as as Matt is saying, well, then we're all saying to them, well, because of the Second Amendment, uh, probably because that's the easy way to go about it. And what we have to do is counter that with... This is why you need to be able to defend yourself. This is why the individual should always have the right to defend themselves. And it has nothing to do with necessarily a Second Amendment or something written somewhere. You were just born with the right to defend yourself. And on top of that, this is the value of these tools and implements, right? And and so here's one advantage we actually do have in this fight. The anti-side doesn't have a unifying policy either. Mm-hmm. Right. They're I was actually not about on to guns. Say that. Mm-hmm. No, I was, I was going to say that. They're not actually thinking as big picture as you think they are. They're very reactive. And we're being reactive as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry, Matt. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah, we are. And we want to avoid that. And, and see, like, this is, you know, when I was in the think tank world, something that always stuck with me, the most powerful thing you can do is be painfully reasonable, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we want to be able to do. And if we have a a core policy, we can do that. So like I I was saying, they don't have a gun policy. They do have an underlying policy though, but it's unrelated to firearms. And so when they apply that underlying policy, which is the policy of power and central control, that's a simple policy policy, and it's old as time, but it is not particularly suited to the narrative. So they cannot explain away the concerns that are raised with sound gun policy. And so if we can develop and standardize a set of core policy positions that we decide these, this is going to be our banner, this is the new talking point, we're not saying, you know, if, if, I could, if there's one thing I could do that I would be happy, I'd say that if we can get away with talking about hunting and get away from talking about modern sporting rifles and all that crap, that would be a sound policy move. Because we'd be saying, oh, the thing you're talking about hunting, I, I don't even want to hear that. That is not relevant to this discussion because this discussion is about human life. And bam, you're instantly, instead of right now where our talking heads are, are on the television, and I've been there and they've tried to stump me like that too. They are not prepared for you to shut down that that statement. They're ready for you to go, no, I hunt with my AR-15. That's what that like, and then guess what? You lost, right? Because you're on you're playing on their terms, you're playing on something unrelated to the real reason you're there to fight. Okay, so what are the reasons? If I said to you guys, like, give me the basic, you know, because you're saying we should have, like, a, you know, we should have a set of talking points. What are the talking points? You know, is there a number of these talking points? Is there, you know, do you guys have Well, this isn't out? something, it's not something that we can decide for the whole community, uh, but, but I can but, tell you but that, we like... Could, we could start it here. I mean, we could at least yeah. start that conversation and see whether or not 
people agree. We might all be, we all, we all might can con- con- uh, concur with what you're saying. Right. To, I to think, be, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, man. I was going to say, I think the core most base one, the most important one is that the right to keep and bear arms, one, exists independent and apart from the Second Amendment and any other legal document. And it's if you natu- look back. Yeah, you were born with it. Yeah, you were born with it. Period. Yeah. And two, it is about the right to the integrity of a human's own body. And that in, that includes everything. That includes defense of the self from unlawful force at whatever hands can, can say it. I think that that's the core nugget, and we can expand out from there. But it's pretty clear when you listen to people talk about guns and you hear people say, no, it's not an assault rifle because assault rifle shoot the full auto. What does that have to do with what we're talking about? What is it? What do you mean sporting? You know, it's clear we don't even have that core base understanding of what it is that we're fighting for. I mean, a lot of people will say that they do, but they'll be drawn to that same argument repeatedly. Mm-hmm. They'll say, no, I can hunt with this. Why would you even engage in that argument because that's not the one you're supposedly having if uh, matt likes to constantly say you guys remember the white tail clause of the second amendment because there's not one you know it, yeah. it, it, it actually specifically says militia it doesn't yeah. say hunting mm-hmm. you know it says quite the opposite um but it's just one of those things where we get dragged into these corners and then we lose in these sort of we lose fighting on very uneven ground because we're trying to justify every corner of what we're saying as being eminently virtuous, that there is right. no possible risk or fault with a natural right. Of course there's risks. Of course there's faults. Of course there's safety and all sorts of other concerns. Of course people sometimes get hurt or killed. But the problem is you have to start weighing out what is the value of a natural right versus the potential consequences of having that right. The people in the gun community would say that the natural right exceeds the risk, that life is not without its risks at all. You know, we we don't live in Fisher Price world. We live in the real world. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like that. And sometimes within our own community, they don't seem to want to acknowledge that harsh reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we just need to make sure that we understand what it is that we're arguing before we start arguing. And then again, though, I think that's further along now than it ever has been. I I think when you look at the assault weapons ban of the 90s, clearly that was a low for cultural understanding of the natural right. Right now, I don't think you could pass that bill without some sort of massive response. And I think the other side knows. Mm -hmm. That tells us that in the zeitgeist, the policy has changed, right? Our understanding of the Second Amendment has changed in those years. And it's become much more rigid to its original meaning, which is a natural right. Yeah, I, mean, sh- I, I think that's what we, we've seen in the last year, right? So, so starting with uh, the lockdowns because of COVID, um, you know, uh, protests and then riots uh, because of things that were happening with police officers around the country that, um, that the media decided to hyper-focus on. And then folks got really riled up about it, and that led to riots, which the police stood down, and then people were saying, like, hey, we should defund the police anyway. All of these different things, you know, um, lots of people out there feeling that half the country is against them, (laughs) and it's coming to get them. What's the first thing that people turn to? And I always say this, no no matter where you're at, like, when I talk to regular folks out there, regular people who are working, going about their lives, they don't live in our world or work in our world, when they see a a shooting somewhere, okay, 
and they somehow relate that back to themselves and they think, wow, myself or my family could be out somewhere and someone could come along and decide to do this thing or maybe not, not even use a gun. They could use a car. They could do whatever. They could use knives. They could do all these things. What naturally happens to that person is that they go, yeah, you know what? I think it's time that I got some guns. This is what I see most of the time, you know? Right. So I think that's the natural, I mean, that's the end of it right there. When people start seeing the world is getting crazier, they're like, okay, this it's time for me to start defending myself. Right, which is their acknowledgement of the natural right. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think well, we saw uh, yeah. that happen, and, and it's now something, so even though Biden is, you know, I don't know if uh, Democrats are necessarily off of going after Trump or not, it doesn't matter. I think that's one of the things they're using maybe to just wear us down, right, uh, and distract us. Well, we us. do have, it. there's something that somebody said in the chat, Atomic mm -hmm. Bolson, I think it's really important, and, and it's, there is, for those of us who grew up in the public school system in the 90s, and and probably before that, probably for a couple decades before that, there was this like thing, mm -hmm. right? It was never specifically talked about, but there was this, always this overarching thing that guns are themselves an evil, right? That those are for bad guys, you know, bad guys are depicted with guns. And even in like the stories we'd see there, the police would be depicted not even having guns. Mm -hmm. um, that type of like, the question is, how did we get to the point so quickly where that programming is installed? Um, and then, of course, once we figure that's just like, you know, a, an interesting question. But then the question is, how do you reverse that programming? Right. Um, but and I think what you said is, is right. People think in their heads of themselves they have the right. But most of them don't don't ever feel the need to use it. And as we saw, like, you know, I've, I've um, you know, I'm part owner of a gun store here and we we've had people come in and it's like in Florida, we've got a mandatory weight. And the, per like I've had multiple people who I know to be progressive people. Right. Um, like, you know, I know them from the community. I know how they vote. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what do you mean? I have to wait. I've never done anything wrong in my life like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right? It's a real thing. To that, I say, um, from coming to America, aha. Uh -huh. <laughs> do you remember that? I don't know if you guys watch coming to America, but, you know, uh, that's what Eddie Murphy dressed up as the old yeah. Jewish guy said, you know, Aha! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, that's the thing. Uh, this is the we're, reason we're, we're, we're in a good position right now for people understanding their rights. We really are. Um, we need to help guide that into a policy that is um, much more strict. Uh, and I know, by the way, we keep saying this word policy. I think people are misunderstanding us to a certain degree because they think, I think they think they know what that means. Um, I think a good example of this is, was it, what was the state that recently passed a measure that they would ignore federal gun legislation? Which one was that, Matt? The state? Uh, wasn't there a, a, wasn't there a, they had adopted, it was a state okay, measure. See, oh, wait, are you talking, well, Kansas was like the OG, and then the recent one, was it, it was one of the M ones. Right. Um, Missouri? I want to say Missouri, but yeah. again... Um, Folks uh, maybe, in the chat will let us know. They'll keep us straight. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the reason why it doesn't sink in to my mind is because Matt and I have been talking about it, and we treat those measures the same way. Because if you ever read one of those things... Actually, I should I should let the legal expert tell me. Matt, what happens if you actually read one of those things? <laughs> <laughs> so you, you start reading it, and then you read the first couple paragraphs, and you go, 
yeah, you know, like this is awesome. And then you start reading the meat and potatoes. It's like these laws shall have no effect because the right to keep and bear arms is paramount and for self-defense and this and that. And then you keep reading, then you keep reading. Oh, this has no effect um, on enforcement of the National Firearms Act or Gun Control Act. All right, the two biggest gun laws that we have. Oh, and then you think to yourself, all right, but maybe then this is just to prevent enforcement of the new laws, right? And so they're gonna—they're not gonna enforce those new laws against us, right? Because my cousin Randy's a cop, and he told me they weren't doing none of that gun control. And so then you look. So what are they? So what happens if they do it? Where's the consequence? Where's the civil fine? Where's the I get two hundred fifty thousand dollars whenever a agent of my state government just goes and does it anyway? It's not there, because so, that would require your your elected representatives to hold themselves accountable, and they won't do it. Yeah, they're not prosecutable, so they can adopt those measures and they do them very publicly in order to garner more votes. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is when the laws come, the city officials still go ahead and enforce those laws with. Yeah, they back the ATF or whoever else, and then no one's punished. Yeah, because there's 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 nothing in the measure that has a consequence for yeah. participating. James Miller says that was Missouri. Hold on, he says uh, yeah. Missouri passed it in the House, and it has to go to the Senate now. And uh, Kiaski threw up the quote here from uh, Coming to America. I, I don't know if I could do, do this in the Jewish accent. So, I mean, and I, I you know, I don't want to be Gina Serrano. No, actually, I don't give a crap. Uh, the waiter, the waiter says, what's wrong with the soup? Too cold? And then, uh, and then will you just taste the soup? The waiter says, all right, I'll taste the soup. Where's the spoon? Aha! Aha! That's the joke. I don't know if you guys got that. No one's there. I don't get it. Guys. Yeah. Okay, so here it goes. No, it's so this, so flat. This is a joke. This you is just a keep explaining it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This, this is a this joke. Is watch this process. The waiter says, "What's wrong with the soup? Is it too cold?" Okay, and then the guy says, "Will you just taste the soup?" The waiter says, "All right, I'll taste the soup. Where's the spoon?" Oh. Uh -huh. That's how he told the waiter because <laughs> the waiter didn't bring him a spoon. Yeah. So the and reason the why joke. that reminds me of what of what you said, the reason why that reminds me is because we saw this a lot, right? All these folks yeah. out there that were, oh yeah, it's good, you know, we got to stop the guns, guns bad. Then they go yeah. to the stores to buy the guns, and they're like, yeah. wait a second, what are you talking about? I have to do a background check. Yeah. I've been looking <laughs> at the news. They said, you, what happened to the gun show loophole? <laughs> yeah, just send me, give it, give, put it through that hole. Yeah. Yeah, I get it, I get it now. This is I get thing. it now. Yeah, it's because we don't have spoons. This is oh, man, I feel so, <laughs> I feel so Like <laughs> and Matthias. Oh, like, Matt. oh, you got you have a spoon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, did I? You know what? I just mixed the two of you up. I just put, I just put Matthias and right. Matthew into Matthias. Did you guys notice that? You didn't know. Uh, you're not the first person, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's who, yeah, that's what you guys are as a couple, Matthias. <laughs> that's it. So that's it. <laughs> I think I, I think what we're saying though is that we it, the problem with the where we're having is we will get outraged at bills that have almost no chance of passing, and then completely forget to talk about the ones that ultimately do pass. We ignore. Um, I think one of the more recent things is it looks like uh, the Biden administration is going to be renewing sort of the Operation Choke Point stuff, which mm -hmm. is allowing financial services to 
go ahead and discriminate against businesses that are otherwise lawful mm -hmm. and yet there's sort of an oligopoly of financial services right now yeah. like, mm -hmm. go make your own bank go make your own credit processor like you know it's that it's that argument of uh, you know well if you don't like it it's free it's free market except it's yeah. not because you you cannot find a another option and so it looks like the gun industry is again going to be subjected to uh, financial deprivation. Yeah, yeah. And, and, they didn't even and, lend for the, the new second rule or third time. They won't be ready. They haven't made moves to do anything. Well, what to they, be what move can you make? I mean, other than all of them getting together and forming their own bank somehow. Well, which, you can't form your own bank the, without government approval. So. Correct. So then you have yeah. to go through a regulatory process that is going to tell you no, you know, yeah. and then where are we at again? So it's not actually, and I have this argument a lot, actually, is people say, well, free market, and you go, if it were a free market, you're right, we could move around this yep. problem, but it's not a free market. We actually have, you know, as much as people want to yell about socialism or communism or whatever the case may be, our government is not an open, pure, laissez-faire democracy. We have many layers of regulation mm -hmm. and they come out in strange and weird ways but one of them that is not you know it was almost represented as a conspiracy theory back in the days until it became absolutely true was operation choke point mm -hmm. which targeted illegal businesses and guns mm -hmm. which were legal mm -hmm. yep so you know we are facing it from many sides and i think the only true way out is to hold elected officials accountable. I would love to see the end of the fake to a supporter. I, I really think we need to concentrate on not so the paint, policy. So paint, paint a picture for me. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to yeah, interrupt you there. But yes, when you, you say the fake, you did it on purpose. Uh, no, no, no. I saw. No. <laughs> Listen, you guys are so smart, right? I want to make sure. No, we're not. Not, not, not for me, because I'm a super genius. I'm already ahead of you guys. No, I'm not. Uh, for the <laughs> for are. the folks like myself, I want to just slow it down a little bit and and uh, you know make sure that that fuzzy picture is clear. Who is the fake two A supporter? Paint a picture for me on that. Uh, the common vernacular for it now is Rhino, because we're yeah. obsessed with the Republican Party versus the Democrat Party, which is. There's going to be arguments about where we have to be two-party or we need a third party or we need – I don't care. All I care about is that – but whether you're voting left, right, or libertarian or whatever else, people repeatedly vote for uh, politicians that they believe to be pro-gun politicians who are not doing anything pro-gun and are often doing things that are anti-gun. That's it. The, I, I would like a provable – uh, unerasable trail that constantly points out that those people did what they did. Um, right now, the way we consume things on Twitter, Facebook, whatever else, those are non-archival resources. They're very much uh, designed to deliver information now and then never find it again because it's buried. You know, right. can can you go dig it up in order to shame somebody twenty years later? Sure, right. but boy, does that take a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. So, what I really think we need. Um, is someone to step up and make a neutral aggregator site. Uh, uh, so let me say this real quick. Any of you watching, if you're a competent web developer, DM me on Instagram. Yes, please. Yeah. yeah. So are you got, yeah, this is what I'm trying to figure out. Okay. So you want an archive. We've been having this conversation and, and it's coming back to this. So you basically want an archive for all of this, right? So I want everybody to be able to 
instantaneously understand the voting record yep. of their politician on gun rights. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. That, that's what I, I want it to be very quick and very easy. Mm-hmm. As, as easy as possible without the taint of anything else on it so that you can't have people go, oh, but this is hosted by the NRA and they did right. this. It needs to be a okay. neutral representation. Straight note. And so right. that way, it, like if it's done right, it should be able to be used in the inverse way by anti-gun people. Right. They shouldn't have a problem with it because they should be able to objectively go, well, we will only vote for people that are anti It just needs to be an honest representation of who's actually. And I think what will surprise people once that happens is how there are almost no actual pro-gun politicians. Right. And then the step three, I guess. So the thing that comes after that is you take all these people that are now invested in the process and you say, look, none of your politicians are doing what you want. Now is the time for you to get involved at a much more regional level. You need to be involved in the primary process in the parties that you want to participate in. And I say that as I say that generically. I know a lot of people are like, oh, like the, the Democrats are going to do that. They should if they're pro-gun Democrats. If you're mm-hmm. a pro-gun Democrat, at the very least, you can go in there into your primary and pick the least anti-gun person from your side. You know, I'm not saying you can't be a pro-gun Democrat. If you care about the Second Amendment as a Democrat then you would want this utility as well so that you can look at your democratic policies and go, oh, this is the least anti-gun guy in my region that I can put into the primary to compete against you know, the establishment. And so, then hopefully, mm-hmm. if there's enough people invested from even potentially both sides of the aisle, although it will take a little bit longer now because we've definitely seen the left move left. But in the long run, you would hope that if the natural right, if the policy, if the understanding of the right is... Uh, better represented throughout the entire population, if we can make that part happen Mm -hmm. and communicate who is not participating in that part, then hopefully we can start to move them out of the government. It takes time. It's not an instant game. It doesn't play like, it doesn't play like reality TV. It doesn't play like Instagram where you get an update every day. Mm -hmm. It's, it's hard, long work and it's a long cultural change. Um, And I hate the overused term, but it's moving the Overton window. Mm -hmm. And that happens with many, many people over years and with usually with truth as a cudgel, if you can help it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also get it a lot faster with emotion. I mean, we saw the entire world changed over emotions in just a few short years. I don't know that that's how we want to approach it because that's very rarely sustainable and often results in sort of snapback, you know. Um, and so if we want to make a long-term change for the American gun owner, I think we need to make sure that we do a truthful one and we do it very culturally and we do it by reflecting on whether or not our decisions have results. Okay. So, um, so my question would be for what about the folks out there? And I think there's probably some in the chat right now. Um, what about the folks out there who say all of these things are just talk, right? And we're having circular arguments. And at the end of the day, these guys don't care about all this. Even if we could bring out a list and lay it out and show all the points of where these folks are at, what difference would it make? You know, they have they have an understanding of where they're going. They're going there no matter what we do. Um, what would you say to those people? And my question, if that's the eventual point, then what do we do when we get there when they announce, you know, New Zealand or Australian uh, type of gun bans, you know? What do we do then? Well, so I think what what that kind of ignores is the shape of the world we're in right now. So, yeah, people can be led really easily by the nose. And that's because 
at least in our world, no one's really figured out a way to handle the new shape of things. So it all ties back into the stuff we were talking about before, about the monoliths and stuff. That, that won't work anymore because with the internet, with this whole internet thing, the cost of communication has gone down, but the price of an individual's attention has skyrocketed. All right. And so like you were saying, um, there is so much stuff out there that is very hard to get. It doesn't matter if the voting record's out there right now or if, you know, uh, you can find this stuff. If it's not easy to get and if you can't instantly point to something and know about what matters to you, it's not going to help you. We know now that guns are becoming a more core and central issues to more and more American people, um, frankly, probably than ever, uh, aside from at the time of the uh, founding, right? That There must be a way to seize that. And if we can create something to give an instantaneous and effective tool to those people to at least pick, um, you know, and, and I'm not saying politicians are ever going to be uh, good because they won't. They're always going to be uh, subhumans. But you can pick the least bad one and then it forces competition, right? Because at the end of the day, everything's about competition. They're going to want to move up in those ranks, right? Mm-hmm. What it, but I, I don't know. I, I would just say to you guys, I think that in this day and age, we're looking at politicians, whether on the left or the right, that are dead set on um, bringing in more gun control in America. You know, I don't think they would outright say that they're planning on getting rid of the Second Amendment, but I think they're they're set on this, right? So where where do people? What do people do with that? How do people process that? You know, where's the point where we all start to, or the, the zeitgeist of the gun community starts to realize, like, yeah, time for the talking and everything is pretty much over. If these guys want to do it, and we've tried everything, we've tried voting, we've tried paying attention to what they do, and writing letters, and calling, and, and protesting, or whatever, and now they're just going to do what they're going to do anyway, now what? I think the problem is, you know, we talk about the soapbox, ballot box, and then the bullet box. Mm -hmm. And I think right now we have a lot of soapbox, and half the time we're yelling about the bullet box, mm -hmm. if not more. Mm -hmm. um, the reality is people really aren't engaging at the ballot the way they think they are. They go to the election, mm -hmm. and they put in their vote, and then there's already people that don't trust that process. That's great, you know. But for everyone who doesn't trust, you know, if you're in a region where you don't trust the outcome of the election, did you volunteer as an observer? Are you active in your political party that might have resisted that process if you think it was an invalid vote? You know what I mean? A lot of people have a fantasy that what they're going to do is they're going to have an armed uprising and take back the country. But once you're done shooting, what does that mean to take it back? Like, where do you then go? to reestablish a proper voting procedure? Where do you go to reestablish water and power? Where do you go to reestablish, you know, civil wars are messy, horrible things. And mm -hmm. they, they really, people do not understand the work that goes into maintaining anything, let alone a society. You know, maintenance is an extreme cost that we do not, it's not sexy, we don't like thinking about it, we don't really see it, but we see the absence of it very quickly. And I think what's happening is we're seeing the absence of any sort of maintenance on our uh, 2A advocacy. We trusted the NRA for decades to be our advocate, and we threw all of our money at them and called it a day. And the NRA has failed. 
And now it's up to us to reorganize that. And we're not doing the entire job. We've turned around and said, oh, the NRA is gone. So we're going to pump money into the GOA or we're going to bump money in the FPC or anything. If you talk to those guys, especially like talking, I mean, you, you were talking to Pratt, they want more grassroots participation in local government. Mm-hmm. That's what they want from you, you know, and what you're doing is you're throwing your money at them so that you don't have to go do that work. Yeah. You know, it's like not wanting to show up. That's what we did with the NRA. Everyone just gave money to the NRA and they say, oh, I support gun rights. I give my money to the NRA. Right. It's a very lazy way of engaging in the political process. And that's fine. If you don't want to be a participator, that is fine. I'm not sitting here saying that I'm somehow at every Republican Party meeting or whatever for the state of South Carolina, you know. Uh, I've reached out to organizations in my state. I've had a very hard time dealing with them, as a matter of fact. You'd think that I'd have an audience and they would want to talk to me and see you. No, they've got their own thing going on, and that's all they want to do. And so that means if I want to do something, I'm going to have to go do something on top of my own work, and it's going to be a headache. So now i got to find friends to help me. And don't get me wrong. I'm going to do what I can where I can. Other people are going to step up. But I think... When I hear someone like Matt speaking about what he wants to do, I immediately want to be supportive because at least somebody's doing the work. When you see somebody that is actually doing the work, not talking about it, start chipping in where you can, how you can. I think that's the sort of the micro message. Mm-hmm. Um, in all the different ways, not just one way. There's right. We need all the different things uh, going on but, this to, but, in order to grab that but, zeitgeist but, that we're talking about. Right. But the email campaigns and all this other stuff, it's just it's of limited use. And I think having a core understanding of who is involved in the process and what they voted on. Good. Then I think we really need to. It's like the data we were talking about. I really think we need to start knowing who are our alternatives in our regions. It's very hard to keep track of all the primary candidates in your region. Maybe that's something we should be doing. Like once you have the data. Maybe it's time to start going, okay, here are all the – you have a politician in your region who has voted against gun rights. Here are the people who would like to primary him and how they have stated their opinion on gun rights. And we can't really measure it because we, we don't always have a track record for those people. But it certainly wouldn't hurt for people to be instantly aware of what their alternatives are in their region, which we do not have. We do not have convenience of decision-making. Mm-hmm. And convenience of decision making is like step one of doing things at that local political level. You know, we're not even on step one of that process. Yeah. Can I just say? And this? yet we're yet. Go ahead. And sorry. we're yelling about the bullet. Bo- sorry. And we're yeah. yelling about the bullet box. We're all up in arms. And yeah. the problem is the reason we're being pushed to the bullet box is because we haven't fought the ballot box. We think we have by a very, very loose process. Mm-hmm. We haven't really engaged the ballot box yet. Not the way we think we have. So a, cu- so a couple of things there. One, the whole bullet box situation or us getting to a civil war um it doesn't matter whether you're ready or not, right? Like, I think I wake up every day ready for whatever happens uh, in life. I'm not saying I'm actually ready, but I'm pretty confident <laughs> that when the situations change, I'm going to be able to adapt to whatever's going on, even if it's the worst thing in the, in, in the world. But my gauge, my wins, you know, my windsock, or however you want to put it, is everyone else. So if everyone else, it's like I always, I always give this analogy, and maybe you guys never heard it, but I, this is how I would explain it, and I've often done it with Lola. If you wake up tomorrow morning and the president is on TV, right, and he's saying that there are aliens, aliens exist, 
and they're more powerful than us, and they are our overlords now. Here's the question for everyone out there to think about. Are you going to work like normal? Are you going to go shower, get, you know, get dressed, have breakfast and head out to your job, you know, as a pharmacist or, you know, as a mechanic or whatever it is, a school teacher, whatever you do, are you going to work under those circumstances? I, for one, embrace our new alien overlords. <laughs> to be fair, it might depend on your work. A lot of people might rush to work if that happened. So I think, you know, what, what do you mean it depends on your work? What does that mean? I mean, if you're marrying, if you're uh, manning like a uh, aerial radar or something, you're going to be showing up to work. For <laughs> sure. You're going to be like, uh, I better get to work. Like, yeah. it just depends but if on the, if the president is announcing that it doesn't no, uh, uh, like my in my premise, the, the president's saying, hey, this is it. We these guys are our overlords. They're going to do whatever they want to do from now on. What does everyone do? And really and truly, everyone's just going to go to work like normal. That's most no. likely what's going to happen to most people. I don't think so. I think I'm, there'd be a lot of freaking out. Um, I think people would freak out, and you'd yeah. get um, you're saying you're it would saying be like that. way worse than Argentina. Dude, they're freaking out about like we we have a like we have a disease that is like very dangerous to certain people, not as dangerous to other people, and we've completely changed the shape of our entire planet over it. I feel like if aliens were announced, they would they would shit their pants and freak out and everything would catch fire. Like, I mean, look at look at how much change there has been over one new novel disease. Valid or invalid, I don't care. Just look at the change from one new novel disease. We've had novel diseases before. Alien, like, alien overlords, yeah, everybody's going to freak out. It's going to be a complete really collapse of society. So? For several days, everything's going to catch fire and nobody's going to know what anybody's doing. But that's sort of the problem, though, is... If gun control comes down from above, we're all going to shit our pants. Nobody's going to know what each other's doing. We've been silenced on half of social media. No one's on the same page. There's no trusted objective source for data. And we're all going to freak out, and we're all going to run around shitting our pants in every different direction. Half of us are going to be shooting the other half of us without even meaning to. That's the whole fear. The fear is yeah. that we have no organization whatsoever as a community. Perhaps. Yeah, Perhaps. I, I I still think when I look at the rest of human beings around me, I still think everyone's just going to get up and go to work as usual. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be out there figuring out what I'm going to do. I'm going to refuse to let my family uh, just go about their business and do whatever they want. But, you know, I mean, I'm probably in the category of what everyone else considers insane. You know, um, we're, COVID is a good example. So I'm not saying that it isn't... Uh, you know, a stronger strain of the flu, for sure it is, but we've had lots of different uh, viruses and diseases uh, run through this country and the planet, for that matter, and people never, it never got to this level that we've seen in the last uh, year or so, right? Um, so before we, like, we all get deplatformed for questioning the um, the orthodoxy on this this new disease, let's just point out that Let's, it's not about the disease. It's not about anything. What we can see here is how quickly a brand new orthodoxy can emerge from the earth and we can all be bound by it so strictly, mm -hmm. right? One day, everything was normal. The next week, you go to the grocery store and you're getting yelled at, right? You got to stand six feet apart. Got to wear a mask. Like that. <laughs> like that. And yeah. And so the fact is, Something in our society is different now than it was before. 
we need to figure out how that works and we need to be able to band together and use it for our ends um, and not just be afraid of it. And I think we can. I think there's a way to do it. And there, you know, there we is just got to figure there it out. There is a way. And I mean, I think that was my other point I was going to make to you guys. There is a way to do it um, that we all used back in the Fire Armageddon era of what was that? 2013, I think. Um it's social media, but this is the. Re but when that happened, if you realize, they realized that we were all communicating with each other, sharing thoughts, getting other people involved, recruiting people, getting out to rallies. Uh, you know, the Tea Party got really big in that time. The gun guys got together with the Tea Party, and you saw way more numbers than you saw even in Virginia show up, and it did have an effect on things. And then from that point, they decided they would they would never let that happen again. From that time, that was around the time that I started uh, doing this YouTube thing. And even YouTube used to actually, uh, you know, YouTube has programs like when you start and you're growing and all that kind of stuff, they start talking to you and inviting you to come down and do all of this kind of stuff. And and when they were doing it, they don't they no longer do that with me. But when they were doing that in those times, they kept saying, yeah, we'll, we're not going to let this happen again. And you see that now. You see that now. Anyone who gets too uh, big in their britches out there, they totally deplatform that person. It's not, not just what happened to Trump. I mean, f for the first time in history, you had a president for his entire term, he was being impeached, right? And, and, and even at the end, completely deplatformed. But a whole bunch of other people, even during that time, we all, like, you know, they deplatformed... Uh, uh, what's his name? What's the name of this guy? Um, oh man, I deplatformed a lot of people. Yeah, uh, I'm forgetting the guy that was that was on Joe Rogan a couple of different times. Uh, his name is going right out of my brain. Uh, Elon Musk. No, not Elon Musk. Come on, Alex Jones. So Alex Jones got completely deplatformed. I think there was there was quite a few other people, and no one thought anything about it. And then in the last year or so. It's that's ramped up. Lots of people have been completely deplatformed and uh, given up on social media. You had entire, you know, someone formed a platform parlor for for uh, I guess that was supposed to be the conservative platform or something like that. Lots of us jumped on that. That whole thing got deplatformed. Right? Excuse me. Hit the microphone. Yeah, they deplatformed the platform. Yeah, they deplatformed yeah. even a platform, and we're all just living with it. We're all just like, yeah, totally fine. And and this is well. I don't know that I don't I don't know that anybody's living with it. I just think people don't know how to go create another platform. Like you're you're asking people to create something from scratch overnight, and it does doesn't happen. There's other platforms. It's just that yeah. they're underused. You know, uh, there's Facebook alternatives. I'm on one that one in ten people I know has bothered to even try. What are you on? It, it's, Oh, uh, I was just trying out MeWe to, okay. just to see because it's 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 a clone of Facebook, but nobody's there. You yeah, know, I'm on there. And Have you tried Minds? Yeah. Have you tried that one? About a long time ago, but I just mm -hmm. didn't like the UI. The problem is what's usually happening with alternative platforms is that they're being created in response to censorship instead of in response to bad tech, mm -hmm. and so most of the alternative platforms fail because. They're built around the wrong, again, mm -hmm. policy, actually. Mm -hmm. They're built around being uh, a reaction to another yeah. platform. Not a better piece of tech. Right. And so, like, remember, do you remember when we all switched from MySpace to Facebook? We weren't outraged at MySpace. We right. Just, 
Facebook. But, but it didn't happen Facebook. overnight either. No, it didn't. It didn't it happen years. overnight. years. Yeah. Yeah. There was a migration from MySpace to Facebook that had nothing to do with anybody freaking out about any political impact. It was literally just having a better technology. And you can say that you can create an alternative platform, but if it doesn't have the exact same functionality at its root core, or plus. then yeah, plus, plus helps too, but you have to be able to meet them at least. And the problem is I went on Parler, and I, to be fair though, in my defense, I hate Twitter because I don't like the way Twitter works. And then I went on Parler and I was like, oh, this works like Twitter, but poorly. So it's like a worse version of Twitter. It doesn't matter that it's right or left wing or anything. It just it's only going to gain so much until actually it's fundamentally better. So you there's very few alt tech that talk about being fundamentally better. Um, and an example of one that's trying is Utreon, but they're not they're in beta. So you know you can go there and check it out, but all the buttons aren't there. But if you do go, notice that they have a very nice UI and that they are trying very hard to fix problems that YouTube created with algorithmic learning. And, you know, if you talk to their, or if you actually look up any interviews from their CEO, he talks about how they're going to handle their own internal audits versus the way YouTube does, and he thinks his way is better. And these are not, you know, YouTube's full of censorship and they are bad guys. No, this is, bro, yeah. they are making mistakes and we need to do a better so job. So what about do. this? Like Mighty Streaming says Google just buys them out. So what about when, let's say, what is it, Ultreon or then, something like that? Yeah, you just. Yeah, you what, let's again. say they get good. And, and this is this is the lesson I don't, that Facebook I don't know learned. the end of this conversation. I don't know the end of this conversation for people. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, like go, go take a long swim with short breath. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, I is someone else supposed to be your savior or are you supposed to stand up every day and do something slightly better for yourself than the day before okay. as a community over and over and so, over? So as because a community, how is, do we... Everybody, everybody's, saying, mm-hmm. everybody's saying, if you do this, it's not going to solve my problem tomorrow. Right. Well, good. Welcome to, the, welcome to the radical left wing of our policy now. The government needs to solve my problems tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, go ahead. Like, go find another government that agrees with only you because you're still going to this sort of example of they're not going to let me. They're not going to blah, blah, blah. You push. You understand your reality and you push together as best as you can. Mm-hmm. And when you reach things that are that are absolutely you – know, if you reach something that's unassailable, that is the time to say, oh, this is unassailable and we need to take extreme action. Mm-hmm. But at the moment – we're not even in an unassailable position. We're just in a position where we've been prodded from multiple directions and nobody's told us it's okay. I'll save you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that's where we're at. It's not that we've sat there and like every, you know, every individual hasn't stepped out and, you know, uh, engaged their ballot box every single day. You know, they haven't engaged it once a week. They haven't engaged it once a month. We're engaging it once every four years. A handful of us are engaging it every two years. And that's about it. And now we're crying because we didn't get what we wanted when we participated at the minimum level. Mm-hmm. That's my problem with it. And we're talking, we I, I think here we, we're talking we, we about do. most, uh, I think here we're talking about most people because I know, for example, like here uh, in this podcast that we do, we've been talking about this for a long time. Local government you know, your mayor, your sheriff, right? The local people around you, those are important elections, the most important yeah. elections to you personally, right? And you need to know who those people are. And and that's a place that you can actually get involved in. You could decide to run for that office and, and do uh, something about it. With, with the number of people that vote in primaries, mm-hmm. right? 
if you took one fifteenth of the gun owning industry, you know what I mean? If you took one fifteenth of gun owners and had them go vote in their primaries, it would be an unbelievable wave of change. Mm-hmm. Just because of how few people actually vote in primaries for their parties. Yeah. Like if the, if every gun owner became determined to vote in a primary, there would be a radical shift. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I agree with you. You know what I think is going on here? My opinion, I think that everyone, most people are living really good lives. I mean, we are for mm-hmm. sure, but maybe we're living good lives, but we realize how that could change. I know in my part, you know, uh, my entire life has been like an up and down thing. So I could see those patterns. So having life be good around me doesn't make me feel like, oh, this is going to be forever, right? And I could prepare for those things, and I could see that. But I think most of us in America, we are living pretty good lives, and this is the reason why we don't see the big engagement like even we saw in 2013, you know, because everyone's got it good. I I don't know if it's the goodness. I don't think so. I think it's um, a lack of understanding what actually evokes change. Mm -hmm. Um, We've we've become uh, feelings, communication, the fact that, you know – the fact that I'm here and speaking to a bunch of people mm-hmm. is somehow a virtuous act. Mm-hmm. It's somehow I'm doing something. I'm not doing anything right now. I'm sitting here having a conversation with mm-hmm. you. The, 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 the metric that by which this conversation can be measured is how many people actually go cause a physical change in their reality, mm-hmm. right? That's very low. The torque, the actual physical torque that we get out of these conversations gets lower every year because we just talk more and more and more into the ether we do it on opinion and not fact. Mm-hmm. And so what I would like to do and what Matt and I have been talking about doing is removing opinion, without removing opinion, but dialing it way down, mm-hmm. going for fact, 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 fact. And then how do you make changes on these facts? You do these specific things. You identify who to support and support them. You identify who to ignore and you ignore them. And then if we can, if, if that process starts moving and they shut us down, well, then we've got a totalitarian problem. But we haven't tried that process. Not really. Mm-hmm. We have because we all yell about hating this guy or liking that guy or he's a traitor or he's a supporter. And we talk, 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 talk. Mm-hmm. And then nobody goes and votes in a primary. Like, what? do you remember? Do you remember the last time every gun tuber was like, Yep, today's the primary for this state, and I hope you all went. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is that that's not even a cultural thing that we experience because we don't talk about them, I and th- that's really just the. I, the I think I think you I think that so. Here, here's what I would say about it. You know, I, the world that I live in is a completely different world. Like, I'm a I, I I'm definitely a gun tuber, but I'm not a big gun tuber at all. You know, I'm probably the biggest of the small gun tubers or in that in a category like that. Right. I think that the big gun tubers know. I think back in 2013, when I started doing this, there there were there were fewer people doing the gun YouTube thing. There were few fewer people doing YouTube in general, which I think makes your point. Right. Now there's more people like I remember when I started this, people like you're going to do YouTube. Why don't you just get a job? (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know? That's not a job. Now there's every everyone in their mama thinks that this is a job that they could do, right? So everyone's doing it. Um, 
And so a lot of those guys back then that were doing that are still around and they're and they're also still doing what they were doing back then. Some of them mm-hmm. have kind of like walked away from it just I guess from being tired or whatever it is. But now there's a lot more people and when you look at the folks who are the bigger um gun YouTubers that are getting attention, um I don't th- it's it goes back to what I was saying in the beginning, Matthias, that you know the nerdy guys who pay attention to all these details like what you do and, and, you know, gun history and where these guns came from or like what Matt is doing, talking about the law and all that. That's just too corny. And what the folks are watching out there is a completely different thing. And what's attracting those people into those channels is not this. And therefore, those channels yeah, don't do that kind of stuff. Right. Those people are not often the big guys are not outright lying. Not right. usually. What they're doing is they're working off of they're parroting. They're parroting, yes, and then they're also working off slight misinformation, mm-hmm. and they're working without purpose. They're just not not without purpose even. A lot of them are just saying, "I support the Second Amendment," so yep. I'm just gonna all this stuff into the ether. Mm-hmm. The yeah. trick is to try to give them the support to have a well informed mm-hmm. opinion, mm-hmm. and then they can still broadcast the opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, you ch- you can change the color of what you're saying. You can change the thrust of what you're saying. You can change a lot of things by changing your core understanding ever so slightly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I'm, it's like I said before, when was the big gun tuber pushed to show up at primaries for individual states? Why don't we do that? Okay. In order to do that, what do I have to do? Do I personally have to run around and call all the gun tubers I know and tell them to do that? Because they're going to say, you do a history show that doesn't have any sort of political leanings. So... The last time I, I saw the last time I saw anything like that was was back with uh, Georgia, and there were people trying to get it out there. Um, I know I personally I tried to get those folks to turn out there right. from what I could do, but I'm not in Georgia. I'm in Florida. I did go to Georgia mm-hmm. and I did um, do some things there, but there were other people right. who actually went there and they were on the ground and they went door to door. I think GOA actually had uh, several people there going do- door to door, and they didn't even have people like show up to you know to volunteer to do the stuff so i'm just right, saying, i'm giving you all of that as a data point to make your point because they hadn't they hadn't established it as a culture yeah you know you can try to do it at the last minute you can try to do it reactively but it's hard to do things reactively there's no culture for it mm-hmm. it's time to start influencing the culture the culture needs to look at uh politicians behavior it needs to look at politicians your options in choosing a politician mm-hmm. and it needs to understand those intrinsically the way we understand third tier celebrity gossip you know what i mean we understand so poorly what our politicians are doing on an individual level and yet we understand so well what some actress has done in her personal life in the past three weeks Mm -hmm. and it's just something that we're going to have to make uh, we're going to try to weave it into the culture it's what we're going to have to do Mm -hmm. and we do it now i mean we just do it so poorly we we do it reactively and aggressively and without review Mm-hmm. And at least we're doing it, though, because we weren't 20 years ago. We were barely talking about it 20 years ago. So we're in a nascent period of communication. And I guarantee you what's going to rise above in terms of all this chatter, because you're right, everybody's a gun tuber now. The ones that are going to survive this are the ones that are going to move towards facts, who are going to move towards accountability, who are going to move towards being um, reliable 
those are the people that are going to stand out because once you have a market that is flooded with cheap opinions, it's the ones that are objectively more valuable that start to come out at the top. Mm-hmm. And, and, so, and this is luckily starting to happen already. Like, um, you know, we, we, we've had some conversations with people like Reno May that it, uh, they finally sat down and realized he was like, you know, I never thought about the fact that people might be coming to me as a primary source, mm-hmm. you know. I need to really hold myself to a higher standard. And I mean, not saying he had been doing something wrong before, but mm-hmm. you know, people are going to are doing that. It's easy to chase the dragon and go after views mm-hmm. by having a horrifying soy face, open mouth, um, clickbait thumbnail and headline, and then repeating and hamming up mm-hmm. stuff, right? Mm-hmm. People, you know, if, if it bleeds, it leads, right? But as I think it's just like he's saying, as we get more and more and more of that, people will grow tired and they do want to hear something factual. They to, want to get the straight It's tough to resist goal. that. Like, I, I enjoy yeah. this conversation we're having, right? Because we're thinking deeply and we're challenging yeah. each other and all that kind of stuff. But it's not as sexy as other things that are out there. And at the end of the day, it's not the it's not the restaurant or it's not the chef preparing something and putting it out there. It's it's where are the people going. So if if most mm-hmm. of the people go to the fast food restaurants, then that's the thing to do. It doesn't matter what kind of, you know, a master chef you are. If no one's coming to your restaurant, you're out of business or you've got very low traffic, right? So you're basically barely surviving doing that thing. But I personally believe it's worth it to do. I try to hold myself to that standard. I don't think I always hit that. You know, um, but I try to do it. The last time we went through this was with the whole situation with the uh, pistol braces, you know, and and, you know, a lot of that got divided. Like some people were on the side of the companies, you know, because, hey, this money. To be be fair, as far as that went, it didn't matter, though. Like with the whole pistol, the entire pistol race conversation was garbage, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. People who were outraged about it, people who supported it, people who whatever, it ultimately had no effect on any of the law. Mm -hmm. Nothing happened. Mm -hmm. We made a lot of noise, Mm -hmm. got a lot of clicks. Nothing happened. Mm -hmm. Nothing was going to happen. Nothing did happen. It, it was just a mess for mess's sake, and we probably missed a lot of other important things while we were busy crowing about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it, it, the problem is we get highly distracted by inconsequential garbage, mm-hmm. non-legislation garbage. And if you, if you wanted to preserve pistol braces or whatever, the, to be fair, the whole argument's stupid because what Matt would say, I'm sure, is why are we arguing about the braces when we should be arguing about the fact that the entire SBR law was supposed to plug a loophole for handguns being banned, banned handguns. Like, it is an appendix of the the NFA, mm-hmm. and it should be addressed as such, and we should fight it as such. Yeah. If all of the people got together on when that brace thing was going on and said, no, right now, I'm not joking, unrestrict um, SBRs. Do it now. Because there's no reason for them to exist. Yeah. There, there isn't, because the only reason that was created... Matt, yeah. explain, explain this yeah. scenario. I think, the yeah, go ahead, Matt. Yeah, yeah, that's a good... Yeah, go, so, go for it. So when the NFA was passed, the primary purpose of it, and, and all of our early gun control law was to restrict handguns. Public support for a handgun ban was overwhelming. Um, and, and so that's what they were trying to accomplish. The original NFA 
focused on handguns. Okay. Through its updates, updates, and through negotiations, the handgun ban was struck. But the loophole fillers to prevent people from just taking rifles and cutting them down to handgun size were still there. And that was a prohibition on short barrel rifles, a prohibition on short barrel shotguns, and a prohibition on any other weapon capable of being concealed on the person. They just let in other, it in. In other words, why would you make those why would you possibly make those laws unless your intention was to prevent people from making themselves a pseudo handgun right. when you had just banned handguns? Because other than not like how does that make any legal culture like how does it make any sense that you would be like, well, you can't have short weapons unless they're a pistol, which is the most commonly carried concealable short right. weapon? Like, what in the world is and that? And the weapon the Supreme Court has now recognized straight up is at the core of our fundamental right to keep and bear arms. So how can it be that I have the right to have as many of the most concealable weapons I that exist, handguns, I can have as many of those as I want, but if I make my big gun into a shitty concealable gun, yeah, right? I make a, a terrible pistol. Yeah, a terrible pistol. If it's a bad pistol that can't be concealed, I get to go to FedPen. No, that's stupid. And if and if we all got together and talked about it, you can guarantee that we'd get some big politicians actually up there writing some stuff and and actually doing something. But no, the you know the the prevailing thought is that everything in the NFA is reasonable because it's been the law for so long. Not to mention the fact that there are people alive who remember not having it. But but that's beside the point. Um, if we could just get on message, unite on policy, which is what this is about, we could have taken that and done something. And I think that's like the core of what we're what we're getting at here. As a matter of fact, the way the the SBRs exist because people weren't paying attention to the policy back then. Yep. Like it, it's the exact same argument. The fact that we get caught fighting about some stupid thing and then we miss the other thing. A hundred years ago, they tried to ban handguns, and by the skin of the, our teeth, we got away without a handgun ban. So much by the skin of our teeth that we forgot in getting away with the handgun ban, we forgot or neglected or didn't want to bring up the fact that the loophole plugs were left in. Mm-hmm. And that's why we have the freaking SBR. Like, it, it's that stupid, yep. which is exactly what we're hoping to avoid for future generations by making sure that everybody understands what the heck is being discussed. Because at the time, they didn't understand what just happened. And by the time they did, most of the time, like, there's a ton of Ithaca auto and burglar shotguns that still turn up. They're still not covered. They're not safe under the NFA. You have to go register, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. The, these things still exist because many, many people had them and didn't understand that they were in violation of the law because it took forever for that knowledge to catch up to the population. You know, it, it only got prosecuted on rare occasion for the first couple decades, I'm sure. You know, people didn't think it applied to them. They didn't understand the a- application yeah, of it. Probably so ATF started going after manufacturers. I mean, that's basically yeah, what and, happens. Right. That's they control at the manufacturer level, and then and then somewhere the zeitgeist catches up. They understand what the law is, and they're still confused as to why it ever existed. And then you have the '90s era is sort of that 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 prime of just well, you can't own a machine gun, and you can't own a suppressor, and you can't own a whatever. But then internet comes along, and everybody goes, "Oh no, you can't own these. You just have to do the paperwork." Right. And then all of a sudden, everybody starts doing it because they finally see the path, right? So we told everybody. Look, this is how it actually works. You can go do this. And plenty of people have SBRs and suppressors and everything else. But what they don't understand is, especially to the SBR, they should have never had to do the paperwork on it because it makes no sense that it ever was a thing. And now, where's our conversation at? I can't believe they're banning the braces. Mm-hmm. What? 
What do you mean you can't believe they're banning the braces? The very, the very way you're using the braces to create... Let's be perfectly honest. The reason you're using the brace that way is because you're using it as an SBR, because it makes no sense that you shouldn't be allowed to have one. And it makes no sense that you shouldn't be allowed to have one because that's not even the way the law was considered when they tried writing it. Yep. You know what I mean? It wasn't put in there to stop SBRs. It was put in there to stop fake pistols. Yep. So, so it seems like what you guys are saying, the solution to all these things is for most of the gun, because I don't think we're going to get 100% of the gun community to, or any community or group right. of people to do anything. But if most of us focused on the facts and when these things came up, they might be salacious and we all get excited about it. But if we focus on the core points and keep hammering away at that with the politicians that we're somehow going to convince them to see things our way. Is that right? Is that, that what you, what you guys well, are saying? Here's, here's, here's a, just one way of thinking about it. And it's actually from like the way Toyota manages their companies. We see the pistol brace thing. We can get, we can freak out and attack that, right? Or we can ask why five times. Well, why are they going after pistol braces? Okay, well, because of the NFA. Well, why does the NFA even cover this? Well, because of, of this. And then you, once you've asked why five times, you attack that. Mm -hmm. There's right. your problem. And you focus on that and you, and you connect it to what's going on now. This crap is happening now because of this. We can keep putting band-aids, but the, the truth is the ship's not just listing. It's on fire, all right? And if we're going to get the ship to, you know, not be a sinking on-fire ship, we got to ask some questions as to why we got into the situation in the first place and solve those core issues. Yeah, yeah. step one, plug the hole, you know? Yeah. I mean, not really, but right. naval, naval history is more complicated than that. But, <laughs> right. you know, for this alley But, you know. Step one, don't panic. Yeah. Uh, you know, before you reach for the hose, maybe fix the uh, water pump, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, listen, I, I know we've we've got a little bit of time here, um, and there's a couple of things that I want to get to before we get out of here. First of all, uh, let me knock on wood. It seems like the it seems like the broadcast is going well here from the Hacienda I mean, right now, right? I haven't seen any. Have they been complaining? Yeah. Has anyone been complaining out there? I haven't seen anyone no. in the chat. It looks like we've been feeding through pretty good i think they're arguing they're arguing about the nfa now, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah um i want to call attention to the fact that i rocked a walther shirt and so did matt he, he rocked one uh thias but they didn't they didn't make me do it i did it because i no, like them i don't have a walther shirt yeah. I I mean, I'm, I'm i'm wearing one because they do actually sponsor this podcast um but they did release a new gun now i don't know if you guys are interested in the new stuff i love walther's Okay, you love Walters. Hey, Vince, what? sponsor my show, Vince. <laughs> what about Othias? Are you? <laughs> no, no, I'm still. A, I've I've never seen a new gun. Are you, you still know? using yeah. a Webley? As you're, I don't know. I'm just yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at your your recent video. <laughs> I mean, I carry. I can do both. I do carry a a French made Walther PPK. Oh boy, mm. <laughs> it's old and a Walther. Yeah, I'm much more modern. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, I just want to show people real quick. Um, tomorrow, they announced it today. I think some information leaked, so they announced it today. But tomorrow, I'm going to be able to put out some stuff with them. And then also on the show, we're going to have Sean Curtis. That as uh, He's a writer, a gun writer, and he's been taking a look at it. And, and he's going to be on the show, and we could, uh, we could talk about it, maybe show you guys some pictures. But I just want to roll this in. Um, it is the new uh, PDP, I believe they're calling it, and I'll roll it in here from Walther's site. 
This is what it looks like. Um, I think they have like a four inch barrel, four and a half and five inch barrel version of this. Um, you know, so that's what uh, that's what's coming out the PDP. So if you guys are interested in that, they put out some videos and things like that today that you know everyone could check out on that. I'm gonna get more details of it. I just wanted to bring that up real quick. Uh, Walther PDP product features. Uh, over a century of engineering passion, precision, workmanship, and innovation are behind the design of the new Walther PDP Performance Duty Pistol. Um, so I guess it's, you know, it's it's like a duty pistol, but there is a 4-inch barrel version that they're going to be coming out with. They've got some cool, a cool video I saw up on uh, Instagram that was virtually like a movie. I don't know if anyone else saw mm -hmm. that other than me, but... Uh, no. The armsman no. says the Walther PDP seems really nice. Um, I want to get in some questions and comments from people way back in the beginning. Oh, let me see if I can even find it. If I was, hold on a second, because someone okay, okay. someone was giving you a compliment, and I was like, crap, uh, I didn't get a chance to put that out there. Uh, let me see if I could find it. That's it's probably a mistake anyway. I don't. Get no, 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 no. There was someone uh, giving you lots of love. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it now because the chat's gone crazy since then. But lots of people out that are here in the chat really enjoy your channel and the videos that you make. Um, some really cool They said stuff. you're handsome. Hmm. I don't believe that. Uh, it's possible. These guys, you know, they, yeah. they, you know, if they think I'm good looking, I mean, you know. It's one of ours. It's got to be. Yeah. So um, do you want to take some questions about that, about the channel? Should we get into sure. that? Sure. Uh, yeah. I'm here so for what, the duration. Yeah. What questions do you guys have about CN Arsenal? Um, if you if you have them, hit it. Oh. Hit us with that right now. Matt, do you have any questions about CN Arsenal? Do you? While we're waiting, he's already hung out. Here. Uh, I talked to him about everything. Yeah. Uh, what's the deal with the uh, barbecue sauce? Why do you hate? <laughs> a, why do you hate honey mustard so? Much? Like, what's your deal? Because uh, it's garbage. Like, what's your problem? Yeah. Right, but honey, like, what's your problem? Honey mustard is not a barbecue sauce. It's just <laughs> sauce. Um, I don't know if I would get in trouble for saying this. When I when I looked you up online, the biggest question is what is your relationship to May? That was the biggest question I saw. Come on, come on. Yeah, they keep asking, but they're never going <laughs> to That's the biggest question about you on YouTube. So, oh, oh yeah. no 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 answer. Claiming the fifth. Okay, good. Uh, uh, I say no no no. The 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 uh the objective reality is the more you give up of your personal life, the more the people want to turn you into a uh, personality. Mm -hmm. And we do like I, you know I'm coming on here I'm talking about you know mm -hmm. um, legal policy and things like that mm -hmm. which is like an interest of mine don't get me wrong mm -hmm. I'm not practicing any of that mm -hmm. but in terms of my personal life I've just chosen to keep it off the camera because CN Arsenal is supposed to be an objective look at historical pieces and it's nice to have a little personality but you start rolling in too much of that sort of consequential relationship you know, family connections, you know, personal opinion on every little thing. And it, people get very deeply distracted by it mm -hmm. and they get involved in it in a way that is not healthy for them. And it's not healthy for you. Like, mm -hmm. it's just, I'm not a lifestyle blogger. So I just keep my life out of it, you know? Mm -hmm. No, that makes sense. And, and I think you guys do a, a good job. You, you're very detailed in uh in what you do i appreciate that you get very deep and detailed into the life of people i was looking at the webley video you know and yeah i forgot the name of that guy uh that did the webley something like berries something berry yeah 
that was something berries. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and then I saw something else that you did about uh, cult and stuff like that. So I, I think you guys are doing a great job. I like longer things like that, and I know this is one of the things, long. right? Huh? Well, yeah, okay, hold on. Long. Okay, phrasing, phrasing. <laughs> I like longer documentary long? style. Long? <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Are you sure? Why are you lying? No, no. no. Don't Look, it's all right it. to be a size king. <laughs> Don't yeah, try. It's it. fine. Um, it's okay. Anyway, I promise we will. I promise we won't disappoint you in the length department. Coyote Brownish says, "How did Otis get so handsome, Matthias? I'm sure he." Uh, that's Coyote. Hey, yeah. Huh? Yeah. Is that Coyote's ours? I see Coyote. Yeah. <laughs> um, M. Gabriel says, "When will see an Arsenal release branded gun and beard CLB?" <laughs> oh man, I already. I think I gave out my beard secret, which is that when I wake up and I have that drool in the corner of my mouth, I just go ahead and smear it around. I'm good to go. I didn't. Need I, I don't need. I don't need any I other artificial. Didn't need to hear that I make, one. <laughs> I make my own. Mm. Uh, Armament and Axis says hashtag beard CLP. There you go. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. Just get up every morning and let the dribble go into a bottle. You're good to go. Yeah. You no, that's that. not good for guns. That's just good for my beard. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Saliva would wreck guns. Yeah. Do you guys accept donation <laughs> in McCoin? In what? McDonald's, McDonald's coin. McCoin. Is that a thing? <laughs> I no, don't know, man. Probably. It's our, our CNR um, Discord is McDonald's themed. Oh. Just in terms of the rankings. So it, it's just an inside joke. Yeah. Um, Sman seventy two ninety says rhymes with snaz. Uh, Jonathan Stomo says I like long from vid form videos. Othias, uh, yeah. long form videos. Yeah, I think it's awesome. It's what I was saying with the restaurant, right? That's uh, like a sit down out, six course meal. I went on the Hank Strange podcast and he just kept complimenting my length. That was very nice. Uh, please, some don't. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, let's say. If you got it, flaunt like it. What can I say? If you got it, flaunt it. Keep bringing it up. Make it weird, Hank, you talking about how long? Hank, you're a you're a size king. It's cool. Yeah. It's chill. Yeah. We're all we all yeah. accept you. Yeah. <laughs> um, Coyote Brownish says, "Is there CNL Arsenal merch I could buy?" You guys have merch. Yeah. I've seen it. Right. Yeah, we've got uh, shirts and stuff. It's over at cnarsenal.com, and then uh, we try to do a pat like we do limited patch runs every once in a while. Mm -hmm. So. I'm currently being yelled at because I didn't like three like a month after we ran out of a certain patch, uh, bloke on the range ran around and started showing everybody his. <laughs> I'm like inundated with emails where everybody wants our strip club patch, and uh, I, I already promised people they would be limited edition, so I I don't want to like. Oh, the, I would I, definitely. I, I want to put in a request for a strip club patch. Thank you. Yeah, no. Just make it not... slightly different. <laughs> I mean, I can make a, I can probably make an updated version. Hold on, hold on, wait, to... wait a second. Let me go full screen. Let me see this. No, that's awesome. Make a slightly <laughs> different version. Yeah, hold I mean, on I can second. try to come up with like a variation, but everybody's kind of lit on this thing. Apparently. Yeah, change. Well, yeah. Make I... one with a full clip. That'll keep them calm. Yeah, I'll yeah. try something else. Or switch up the colors a little bit. You know, I mean, no, the fair. colors are perfect. The colors. Yeah, are the colors yeah, that's are the so problem. Cool, the colors are good, but. Yeah, that's cool. I, d I, I don't know. I'm green different. on the clip. That could be the difference. Yeah. No, I could just do a different clip for a different gun, I guess. But <laughs> no, I want that one. Yeah. What, yeah. It's the 303 clip. It's iconic, dude. That you can't. Yeah. 
Um, what are you gonna do? An M ninety five clip? Okay, that'll be boring. Hold on, let's get to let's All get right. to the questions. We're going a little bit over because we started a little bit late. I can't remember when we start, like what time we started late, but um, okay. let's see. Because you were warming up your van. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Um, I love the idea. I like this Hank Strange mobile command center where it's like, it's like hey, I'm gonna show up at your house and we're gonna do all this. Oh stuff. yeah, I'm, like, showing, okay. up like, oh. I'm showing up at your house. I'm showing up at your house. It's like he rings the doorbell and he's got like an extension cord and he's like, "What's your Wi-Fi uh, password?" Plug it in. <laughs> I'm like, crap. Wait here. a second. No, what I would do is actually. Um, do you have like a septic tank that I could pour this into? I'm gonna unplug like, your whole router. <laughs> And, put, and plug it in here and just bring your cable cord if you have like cable internet or something just go bring it and your computer i've got a hundred feet of land cable and, and let me borrow this too yeah, yeah. i'm gonna be that dude that dude james like miller, yeah james miller says uh what's the earliest gun that we know of earliest gun let's see let's get that the earliest gun that we know as a society yeah what was it um earliest gun huh who made who? Probably the old handguns, like the handguns. The it's like it's like a cylinder and yeah. no. Was there wait, a specific was like, like manufacturer's yeah. mark or something like that? That, that who was the first one to mass produce guns? Really? Yeah, well, the first the first guns would not have manufacturer's mark. Yeah. Um, now, uh, mass production came out from hand shops from various countries at various times and then disappeared and reappeared. So, like, mm -hmm. there's. There's some prehistory in there. I mean, not prehistory, but like very poorly. Like making making an absolute statement about first is very hard when mm -hmm. you when you only have you know a handful of extant examples. So like, yeah. can can you say for sure that you've seen every gun that was ever made in those periods? I mean, the first, because if, yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, but um, the way we do our show, it's all focused on World War One right now. Oh, so okay. that's really where my bread and butter is. Like, okay. We're we're in the the end of the black powder, beginning of the smokeless powder era, the the sort of first repeaters, the sort of first automatic mechanisms and things. That's sort of where we're at with what we do. Okay. Um, trying trying to be an expert on every gun is an impossible task. Yeah. So antiquity is its own thing, I'm afraid. Yeah. So you're not looking at those that particular section. I was going to say probably the first guns maybe came out of China. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you see gunpowder coming out of China, and you see early cannon and handguns, which are like sticks mm -hmm. with, you know, Little like a launchers. And then, yeah. Um, but I'd be hard pressed to say what the first version of a sort of explosively driven projectile would have been. Mm -hmm. um, I would hate to have been there when they first covered it, actually, because somebody <laughs> died, I'm sure. <laughs> like, it was probably not a happy, happy occasion when yeah, they first figured the that Wuhan, out. The Wuhan brand. That's what I'm gonna say. It is the Wuhan, Wuhan brand. There you go. I don't know. I'll, I'll probably get in trouble for that. All right. Uh, Vin Nguyen and Gwen. I have a Hanyang. Yeah, he says Vin and Gwen Nguyen. I guess I should say it properly if I'm if I'm even saying it properly. He says, Hank, what is your opinion of Matt's authoritative, sexy lawyer voice? Oh, <laughs> that's Nguyen. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Answer him. Who me? Oh, what's my opinion? Yeah, yeah, you have to answer it. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that uh, my opinion, huh? It, I, I'm gonna say yeah. that Othias has a sexier, uh, you know. I'm just gonna have to put it that way. Bruh. Yeah. Damn. Uh, yeah. 
man, his compliment on your sexy lawyer voice was yeah. to diss it. Yeah. I yeah, mean, that sucks. You know. It's not for, hey, Vinny, so with, with Matt. Question. It's not the it's well. Here's the thing. It's not the voice. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not this, the voice. I think the thing with, the, do, the thing about do, Matt is do, the do beard. This, is this just like is this just like a fear of male friendship thing? No. Or are, you, <laughs> are you like this with Lola as well? I'm, like, I'm, I'm, I'm negging like, him. I'm negging him. See, this is a this yeah. is a strategy. You got to you know you know she's delightful. You know what you negging like is, her? right? You've you've heard yeah. of this. Yeah. No, he's he's telling you he is. He's revealing his whole playbook. That's what I'm saying. Like it sounds like he's doubling down on this behavior. He's like, you would behave this way with people. You guys are not going to trap me into your hand holding. Let's just put it that way. Why not? Uh, no, no. What are you scared? No, because you know what? Uh, Sean already claimed claimed uh, ownership. So there you go. Sean Aaron. Yeah, I was yeah. there for that. Yeah, totally. Is you you didn't he see that? Lit. I guess, Othias. <laughs> no, you were there too. Yeah. Was I? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Did I miss a handhold? Sure, was lit, dude. You forgot when <laughs> Sean was, uh, according to Matt, white girl drunk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, you guys were gone when we got there, but Oh, okay. Yeah. Um let's see. Uh let's see here. Uh someone, <laughs> someone's asking my thoughts on what's the uh the price of the Walther SF. Uh It's expensive, but yeah, dude, I mean, you know, it's, it's a solid piece of 4140. Yeah. Like <laughs> you can't get that. I mean, I bought one. Yeah. I don't, um, I'll just put it to you this way. I don't have one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting to catch that like yeah. on a super sale, yeah. but this yeah. is bad yeah. timing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I bought one and like, I bought it because I thought it was a really, it was just an important resurgence of what I think like Walter craftsmanship is. And yeah, it's expensive. But when you compare that to like what you get in another firearms, the amount of actual work mm -hmm. that had to go into that gun not and in, in, including like machine time that a mm -hmm. human being had to set that item up right i think it's uh i think it's totally worth it i like I mean, the um, uh custom ones did you see the custom ones they came out with last year those i don't see the price being justified <laughs> they look good i mean so they look good they're cool looking yeah. but yeah the prices are pretty they're not the uh, most expensive custom guns i've seen by the way yeah, I mean guns yeah. in the gun world, like it's the 1911 argument. You know, I remember. Yeah. Um, uh, like so, Cabot Guns makes 1911s that typically start somewhere between 35 and 5,500 bucks, and everyone goes, "Crud, 1911 should never cost that." And then one day, I right. met a, a 1911 builder who told me, "That's nothing. That's for the poor's," and he said basically, he has to like you. For you to even buy his gun from him, that's number one. That guy sounds insufferable. Yeah, and then yeah, number, I don't like him. right. Exactly. I don't want to buy anything from him. Yeah, then, yeah I don't like him. Yeah, yeah and I then number he two, sick. he said his gun started about forty thousand dollars. <laughs> so I don't want to know yeah. any of his customers either. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. So I don't know if there was any other uh, <laughs> S man seventy two ninety said the gun was first made in Ankt. More parked? I don't even know. I don't know what that. Onk more port. Yeah, Onk more port. Yeah. Uh, what what is that? It's a dis uh, Discworld reference. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. It sounded familiar. Sounded familiar. Okay. Um. So let's see what else. Control Pew is out there. He says, "Laugh out loud." Uh, I love Vin. There you go. Who is this Vin <laughs> guy? Do you you guys know who this is? I guess. Yeah, he's a he's a really good. Uh... 
a really good guy. Hold on, I've got That's a picture of me. That's not what you said last time, Matt, because when we were at that restaurant, oh, I and I was it. like, doesn't he live around I here? And you were all like, <laughs> like, there he is. Oh, there he goes. Okay, hold on. Yeah. I feel left out he of this argument. He makes 3D printed That's guns. Yeah. yeah, look at see how they're making human contact between adult males as friends. That's yeah. what you should try doing, Hank. See, look, I touched no. him. No. Yeah, look. Have you ever his done hand, that? His hand is on the other guy, and that's and look, that's and we friendly. got a gun, and we're having a good time. No, to me, so I would just put it this way: to me, uh, I'm gonna say Matt is like uh, Prince. You heard the stuff about Prince, right? You know, <laughs> so like they said with Prince, you cannot look him in the eyes. Like they would warn people. Wait, is this, go, is this the Dave Chappelle? <laughs> is that what you're quoting? <laughs> <laughs> that was true though dude that was true they told people they went around Prince like dude don't don't look him in the eyes <laughs> I get weirded out when people don't look me in the eyes uh, Rain gave us Rain gave us some money in the super chat thank you uh, um, he made it rain yeah and, and here I'll let's see uh, cause I, we're gonna get in trouble with this line of uh, conversation here at some point um <laughs> This week, you're the one that's gonna get in trouble. Rain says, Are Walther's copies of Caddick TP9 Elite SC they have similar parts? Question mark. Okay, there's no stupid questions for sure, Rain, and I appreciate you know, um, but no, I don't think so. I don't know. Someone, no, the the Canics are actually copies of the Walther P99. Yeah, yeah, and so and then the PPQ is a iteration of the P99. Uh, so that's why some P99 parts work in a PPQ. Like uh, if you have a P99, um, you you know you can use the new PPQ threaded barrels and they just drop right in. And so as a result of that, some PPQ P99 parts will function in a copy of a P99. Yeah, uh, Walther is a lot older than Canic. I'm gonna say, um, yep. you know, but not not everyone knows that. So you know, there's people who don't know all these this stuff. Uh, including me most of the time so you have to help you know you have to help people out Walther is an old company out there um you know and i think in lots of ways now they're they're like by moving to america building things here designing things here and all that they're kind of like upgrading uh you know to the modern to the modern shooter or gun guy uh, sure, to so. To be fair, it's probably more that they're moving into a stronger commercial position because a lot of the, the European companies have trouble where their American branches have to drag the European branch into doing stuff. So anytime yeah. you see them like laying in deep roots in America, then you know that the company's going to get a lot more innovative because they're more willing to engage that commercial market and sell in volume. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's not, not so easy in other places around the world unless you're selling... Well, I guess like companies here get into that too, right? Selling to the military and stuff like that, getting the military. Yeah, yeah. there's also there's also a mindset difference. Like mm -hmm. there's just a their their market doesn't behave like our market does, and yeah, it, it's generally better when you see them making more moves into the U.S. Like what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. So Coyote Brownish gave me money here, and says, uh, "Hank, quick, name your top five World War One rifles." And so right now, what's going to happen is it's going to look like. Othias is talking, but no. it's actually me talking. No, it's oh, no, 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 boo. no, no, I'm not. I have no. I don't know no. about. Do I don't know about freaking World War One guns. Just, just make some up. Make some up. Make up. Yeah, uh, okay, five, here's right? my my favorite gun from World War One was the Hank. You know, and then there was the Hank. There was the Hank two, and there was the Hank three. You guys try. And the I mean, Hank at least four. you don't know any. Um, just pick a, a gun. Uh, you don't know a single uh, World War One. Webley. I don't know. 
There you go. Okay, there, there you one. go. It's a good one. It was a Webley. Good one. Four more. Four more. Yeah. Four more. <laughs> okay, other than Webley, uh, what is the... They had rifles. They yes, had rifles. I know they had rifles, and I'm trying to remember the names of the, the rifles. Uh, what the heck was that name of the... Uh, man, damn it. Hold on. Let me go look at your channel for a second. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay, Enfield, Enfields, Enfield. Okay, there you go. There was yeah. an Enfield. First of all, we've learned something, which is that he's a uh, he's very into British. Guys. Yeah, he's an Anglophile. No, he hasn't named any American. I guys. don't are, know. I don't. Are you know. are you one of those colonial apologists? Yeah, James yeah. Miller is saying 1911. Yeah, I get it. No, <laughs> for you, you <laughs> other guy tell you the 1911 was in World War One? Come on. Listen, um. The, so, Cheat that chat. Name one more. Just, in fact, just start saying years that World War One happened in, and you, you'll be pretty safe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, seriously. Nineteen seventeen. People are putting. That's a good one. People right, are putting up more. stuff now on there. The, the Wurndle. Oh, yeah, I totally did that on my own. The Wurndle. They're helping them. It's uh, <laughs> not time. They don't. Know. They don't know the. Right, there you go. Forty-two right, so. chilled said nineteen eighteen. <laughs> Yeah, the the Ribeiro. Oh, that's a great one. S Man, seventy two ninety Carcano. I don't know any about these. I don't know. I'm not into any of these. Oh, you like Italian guns? You're a man of very varied yeah. tastes. I recognize enough of these names that some of them should have been lying to you by now to get you to say. Yeah, something someone stupid. should just be telling me something stupid, and I'll just say it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now Coyote Brown wants his money back. <laughs> yeah i i'm I'm just not that into it i gotta look at more stuff for Mothias. that's the way it goes i gotta look at more uh oh may is telling me the the, i don't know if this is true or not may is saying the reich's revolver there you go no she's helping she She says that that was the best according to may she says trust me why didn't you just trick me that would have been awesome i love how so many people are saying the 1903 and it's like when you say the O three, it tells me that you haven't shot many World War One bolt action rifles, because that thing is awful to shoot. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's awful. Well, yeah. the the sights are miserable. Yeah. The oh, James unusual. Miller is saying, "Yeah, Hank, the Gita Carano." <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, JBR, and I think I know I know enough to know this is not a real thing. The uh, Sturmgewehr, that one's a World War Two gun. Right. Yeah. So there you well, go. no, the high point eighteen eleven. Yeah, high point eighteen eleven. <laughs> that was definitely around. See, what I learned is that Hank knows his his Nazi guy. <laughs> that one I know. Sorry. What can I tell you? Uh, Control Pew says the nineteen oh three Hank Strange was an amazing feat of engineering. <laughs> Jeff Ayer wants me to take it back. I'll I'll take it back for the O three A three, which has real sights, uh-huh. but not the. Pattern 1903. Yeah. Now, Buffington sites are garbage. You're trash. So, I listen, the reason why I know about Webley's, and, and I'm going to wrap this up, but I, the reason why I know about Webley's and uh, the Enfields and stuff like that, my friend Sam Andrews has a really nice collection of those. So, whenever I'm hanging out, he's always trying to push that information into my brain. Does he? My brain rejects Does it. he watch this show? Um mm-hmm. Sam Andrews, thankfully, it, no. He's the guy who makes the leather. You ever? I don't know if you ever heard of Andrews Custom thankfully Leather. Thankfully, no. He said, "Yeah, he makes. Yeah, <laughs> he makes. Uh, he makes leather holsters, but uh, he's into the he's into did, the old school British guns. So he's got a nice collection of those. Does he have a website? Um, it's called Andrews Custom Leather. I don't think. Okay, I'm gonna email him and tell him to watch this episode. Oh man, yeah. 
And then no, it's not. Him. It's called uh, Andrew's <laughs> Leather Upholstery dot com. That's where. That's where you go. Um. So Hank says you. Lola's Lola, here trying to school Hank, you. You've shot a Mauser, a Mosin, handled a Webley. Uh, okay. <laughs> Bro, she is scrubbing you. Dude, you just got got, you, man. Oh man. Actually, okay. Dude, did you? Can we do it. Can we do this with her? Because she seems yeah. way. Did you? Did you guys yeah. see the remake of the Magnificent Seven with Denzel Washington? Anyone see that? No. No. Oh, you no. guys didn't see it. Okay. Uh, I was I gonna say, if you saw that movie where Chris Pratt was in there, there's a part of that movie where he's shooting a little uh, Webley bulldog. I think I want to say it is. Um, I don't. And that was that was actually Sam Andrews' gun that was used in the movie because he made all the holsters for that movie, and he does a lot okay. of holsters in cowboy movies and stuff like that. But good luck That's getting cool. any of those to stick in my brain. So, uh, your wife is scrubbing you, like well, I mean, crap. yeah, sorry, uh, yeah. Uh, I want to go on. Is there a Lola Strange show? Can I go on that? Yeah, you're going to have to go to that one. And Armament and Axis <laughs> says what I was going to tell you guys. He says, You really think he remembers? You know, of course not. I barely remember Lola's name sometimes. So, there you go. Now, Kyle yeah, Brown is asking five? Lola. Well, yeah, Lola, what's Lola? Yeah, Lola's I mean, just going Lola right? to Google it and start putting stuff in there. At least she's better at Googling than you. See, at least, <laughs> well, yeah. I ratted my own self out, man. I ratted my own self out. Oh, yeah. Are you just mad because they didn't have any bullpups? Yeah, that's what James Miller says. Yes, bullpups, I think I would remember. There you go. Um, All right, listen, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up now. Um, There was, wasn't there, did Walther make any guns back in World War I? Oh man, this is so good. No, I'm are you asking? Him no. Or are you no. contemplating? It's probably here on my T-shirt somewhere when they started. 1886. Like, what? Okay, th- so they probably made some kind of World War gun. I'm gonna leave that up to you, Othias, to figure out what that okay. one is. <laughs> okay. There has to. I don't know. By myself. <laughs> oh yeah, they make they make guns. Yeah. I got whole episodes on them, but they're so yeah. long. It's yeah. almost intimidatingly long for you, Hank. <laughs> yeah. Well. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to go look at one of those episodes. Yep. <laughs> All right, listen, let's wrap. It's ra- a baby gun. Yeah, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. Uh, JBR is saying the Model Four, the Walther Model Four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. That could be real. That could be completely. Look at, made look real. at you guys. Look at you guys trying to lie to him. Yeah. He's not going to fall for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know who knows? Who knows? Okay, listen, let's wrap it up. Uh, so uh, I was about to say Matthias again, <laughs> Matt. Yeah. That's us. Yeah, Matt, me and him. Matt yeah, LaRossier. Him and also me. If, when we hold hands, that's that's Matthias. Yeah, They're Matthias. holding hands right now. They're holding hands Matt, right check now. It. It just, it just, Matt, you're on my right. It just looks... Where's my head at? Is this right? Is this, you no, you gotta be closer to your head. No, you yeah, gotta yeah. put up your other hand, Matt. You gotta put up... No, your other hand. Wait. Put up your other hand. There you yeah, go. Yeah, on the left. Up a little bit. Right there. Yeah, there you go. Up. You're okay. grabbing Hank's head. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm not in the <laughs> middle. You, I'm putting... It's just you two guys on the screen. <laughs> I'm not, I took myself out of that picture deliberately. I don't think your hand ever appeared in camera. Uh, no, no, yours didn't either. I'm looking at it right yeah, now. Yeah, we're idiots. We did a terrible job. You guys, listen, for, you guys crack me up, man. I'm sitting there looking like a trying to get somewhere. You guys are totally ridiculous. 
<laughs> the time delay is amazing. It really hurts this whole situation. <laughs> okay, you guys are not a good combination with me. It just makes everything totally insane. Okay, this is, the, this is the Matthias show now, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, daily reminder well, of the so general. You know where to make your checks out to now. Yeah. 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 So, okay, we got another super chat here. I'll get that one. Uh, this oh, is from Gun Beer Freedom eighty seven. Says daily reminder that General Douglas MacArthur, MacArthur was right, and we should have nuked Beijing in the nineteen fifties. Okay, that's his thing. <laughs> classic. Yeah, it's classic GBF. Right. Uh, okay. Listen. So, Matt, tell the folks out there uh, where they can watch you, how they can follow you on social media, support you, etc. My shows on the internet. Yeah, you gotta go to Fudbusters. It's yeah. Fudbusters. I know and that. It's all Fudbusters. All yeah, your last yeah. episode was with Sean, which was amazing. Yeah, it's funny, funny. And we got yeah. a new one coming out on nine twenty two R, so that'll be frustrating. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, Matthias, <laughs> um, how? Where can the folks watch you? How can they support you, etc.? How can they find out all about uh, World War One guns, which would be awesome? Uh, you go, you go to see an arsenal. Um, which is impossible to spell, so you can really just Google some World War One guns. I'll turn up. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll be in there somewhere along yeah. with Ponytail Guy. Yeah, just uh, the next episode is going to be called Hank Strange's Favorite World War One Guns. Uh, there we go. And it's going to start <laughs> with a Tech Nine. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to have Hank visit, and we're just going to hand him like a bunch of World War One rifles and yeah. just be like. All right, shoot it. And he's, oh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I'm what just gonna make call? up stuff. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna look as good as me. I'll tell you that. So it's good. That's I think we'll do. We'll do a whole wasted. special lie to him the entire time. We'll be like, all right, here's the U.S.'s Carcano. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee you, I'm gonna believe all of it. All of it. Uh, May is throwing up. Uh, CN. It's C, and and the and sign R ampersand. The more you describe it, the worse it gets. Actually, you know what? If you go if you go to YouTube and search Othias, just put in the name Othias, CN Arsenal comes up. That. Uh Othias, O T H I A S, I guess. I don't know. A I S. Or the other way, either one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Still messed it up. Still messed it up. All right, listen. Ooh, no I'll show up eventually. <laughs> Just go search Othias. Yeah, my, my, SEO, my SEO is off the chain, right? You just got to figure out what the point That's is. what I did. Do you, I could do it right now if you don't believe me. I could go to YouTube right now. You're so, you're so good at Googling, yes, buddy. Hold we, on we a second. Believe. Now I'm going to YouTube. <laughs> big I refuse sport. to end this show until I go to YouTube and show people. Hold on. Let me uh, share the screen. I'm going to show people okay. here. I got to be right about one thing this show. So let's see. Is he typing with two fingers? Is he typing with two fingers? Oh, I'm not even <laughs> typing yet. Wait a second. Okay, here we go. So I'm gonna put in Othias. Let's see if I spell it right. We can't see it. Okay, there you go. So let's say you search Othias. Boom. What happens? See an arsenal. Boom. Boom. Wow. See that? All I put in was no, Othias. We, we can't. We can't see it. You no, can he see has it in the audience. Right. I see what he did. Yeah. You, oh, now it's coming up. Okay. And yeah, he's using the Mac. There's a delay. That's there's weird. a delay. Are you using Mac? Yeah. Oh, so now I've totally lost all your respect for using a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just a surprise, you know? It's not yeah, like... Yeah, see, you know, May nothing. says Othias brings the channel up, yep. It does, that's weird. Yeah, you own the name Othias, sir. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm me. I'm going to start putting Othias now in the description of all my videos. 
<laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna bomb the living daylights out of that. Because that's a word that people Google. <laughs> okay. We're taking it away from you. Yeah, listen, big shout out to Franklin Armory. This was actually a fun show. I'm surprised that it worked better here outside of the house on the Hacienda that it did um over in Gainesville. So that was awesome. Big thanks to Othias from CN Arsenal for coming on the show. Um, this is great, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, same to Matt LaRossiere of Fudbusters for coming on. You guys are a lot of fun. Uh, we really should do this often, uh, more often, I should say. And I always enjoy talking to you guys. So, Likewise, man. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. Everyone stay right there. I'm coming back, and Othias is going to get the last word, but let me roll in the end. All right, guys, thanks for watching the channel. I uh, appreciate you taking the time. Make sure you smash those thumbs up, ring the bell, share this with your friends if you can on social media. We appreciate it. Uh, we will rip out the audio of this and throw it up on iTunes and all the other places that you get your um, audio podcasts from. We've got people listening to us all over the world. Tens of people, tens of people all over the world. There was like six people in the Czech Republic listening to this shout out to those people you are awesome beautiful people Othias, <laughs> smack us with the uh last word here man there is no podcast i cannot ruin <laughs> <laughs> okay awesome you made the podcast funny man it was a lot of fun thanks so much uh you guys stay right there we're out of here guys we will see you tomorrow and